Phoenix Down Radio is on the air. Welcome everybody to Phoenix Down Radio, episode number 112. I'm your host, Klaus Nightbringer, and joining me today, we have Talis Marvelous, and we have Sarah Tomono. Hey guys, what's going on? Yo. What's up? So, how were your holidays? I know we talked a little bit about it on the last episode, but now, since then, we've had New Year's, and we are in a new year. So, Happy New Year, everybody! Happy New Year! (laughs) Happy 2020, y'all! Yay! So, what have you guys been up to in the last two weeks? Huh... Um, mostly a lot of cleaning. I have like a kind of as New Year's tends to be like a, hey, it's time to refresh and start things out. And I actually managed to like throw out a bunch of stuff. And oh my God, there's like three small book piles on my floor. And that's it. Really? It's beautiful. Interesting. Please do not send me stuff. I'm trying to get my board here. So send all the things to Sertamono. Uh, but I need it all to leave my house, sir. I mean, I also did this at work. I found a stockpile of stickers from going back as far as 2013 in some cases. And I was like, no one will ever use it, these stickers. And half of them are the kind of crappy ones that charities send you in order to guilt you into donating to them. And I just threw off. Apparently, my ability to throw that stuff out without feeling guilt has a couple of the other librarians want me to go over their desks. Nice. Just throw it away. It will never do anyone any good. Except for that Anyways, one yes. person with the one thing who might. Never mind. I'm, I know. No, <laughs> no, that person is dead. I killed them. Even no. if that was the case, like the cost to just acquire a thing again if you need it is frequently less than what uh, how much you are. Yeah, how much you are paying in storage and mental space. This is not true for everyone, and some stuff. People may be in dire enough straits that you don't have a lot of choice, but it is frequently worth doing that analysis. So yes, lots of the whole like fresh start and renewal and whatnot. Thank you, Sarah Kondo, for that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> read her book. It's actually good. So I didn't read her book. I just decided way before she became popular that I was tired of owning too much shit. So I yeah. got rid of everything. It was great. Yeah. So I can't get rid of anything this year. Uh, well, that's Ooh. not true. Uh, let's see, when was our last show? When was the actual date? Do 28th. you remember? 28th? Okay. Yep. You had All already right, sold so your car. I'd already sold my car. I'd already bought my plane tickets. I'd already put in my Airbnb deposit. Uh, I bought peanut butter because a friend mm. of mine really wanted peanut butter and forgot to buy some when she was here for Christmas. I like peanut butter. I am allergic to peanuts, so Ooh. we're going to figure out how this works. Uh, but you, I'm gonna wait, you bought peanut sugar. butter when you're allergic to peanuts? Yes. It's huh. not, See, I'm not it's the, I'm not the trendy allergic to peanuts where I act like it's a really huge deal because I don't have good personality traits. I'm the allergic <laughs> to peanuts where if I eat it, I die. But if I don't eat it, I'm fine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, some people do go into anaphylactic shock from peanut dust. That is a thing. Right. I'm actually allergic to mold. Um, oh. I'm not oh. actually allergic to peanuts, but it's one of those like I can't tell people that I'm allergic to bovine byproduct. That's a pain in the ass. So I'm just like. No, I just, I, I'm lactose intolerant. I'm not, but I can't eat bovine byproducts. Like ground beef, I can't do. Milk, I can't do. Yogurt, I can't do. But like, it's easier to say I'm lactose intolerant. Wait, to explain so why. like cheese? You can't do gorgeous blue cheese? 
So fun fact, uh, I was actually, it turns out I'm allergic to nicotine. Huh. So when you smoke for 23 years. Huh. Uh, so I stopped smoking. And within about a month and a half, I could eat dairy again. Hmm. <laughs> That's how bad my body had shifted chemically, is that I literally made myself unable to eat dairy by smoking tobacco. Immune systems are weird. I quit smoking, and now I can have ice cream. Congratulations on that, it's by a, the way. It was, oh my gosh, it's such a wonderful trade-off. Thank you. I'm at, uh, next. by the time the next show rolls around, I will hit uh, nine, uh, nine months. Because March. Also, thinking about it, that would explain a bit of the affinity for Japanese cuisine. You get to avoid a lot of those products. That, why do you think my favorite cuisine is Szechuan? Mm, exact makes same reason exact same reason i don't have to hit peanuts i don't have to hit dairy you can generally avoid beef as well also yeah, exactly Chili wants to throw a shout out to pancakes so shout out to pancakes okay <laughs> akechi kun well he he, he <laughs> redeemed the shout out with the channel points so i had to throw it out there so shout out to uh, pancakes what i'm hearing is we can be bribed <laughs> i mean well I, I can new. easily be bribed with pancakes so because <laughs> pancakes I was, are delicious I was, I was dead ass at IHOP like four hours ago I can't talk and <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> uh, yes Ian Show I'm aware there's Szechuan food they put peanuts in and I know exactly what they are and how to not order them and I actually have the kanji on my phone for it so that I don't kill myself Yay. I planned ahead so I don't die right now so you know that way if Chili goes to visit you in Japan, you'll be able to help him stay away from peanuts. Yes. Hey, Chili, come with me. We're staying up all night. We're eating all of the street food. I hope you like chicken, because you're going to eat a lot of it. He likes uh, chicken uh, Nando's. Be right there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. No. It, he does like chicken. That's good. Yes. Like I said, he I, likes the chicken Nando's. It's, this is more like Chicken skin wrapped around a skewer and grilled until crispy. Mm. It's 80 yen and it's delicious. Holy crap, drunk, it's like it's under awesome. a buck. All kinds it's of like yakitori is just amazing. My favorite is I would get off the train and there's a dude. He had just those little piles of yakitori. I couldn't recognize most of it, but you literally I went over. I put a, a hundred yen coin in. I picked up a stick. He stops me, calls me back over, pulls two tens out and hands them back to me. I laughed, put them in my pocket, put another hundred in, put the two tens back, grabbed two more off of two other stacks and walked off. <laughs> and he was right next to the train. So I did it like every day for a week and a half. I mean, it was nice. so good. <laughs> yes, Pyrocats, Yakisoba is. <sighs> I'm going to take so many pictures of Yakisoba and send them to you, Pyro. You're going to be so mad. I want all Rory, you're out now. Yeah, Aurora, your allergy to fish oil. Ooh, that makes um be very cautious Ooh. when you travel in Japan. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot, <laughs> a lot of seafood. Some way, not as much as you'd think, but yeah, definitely seafood. Also, there is totally a pig head just like chilling directly over Sarah. Yeah, on the stream camp. Yep, because it's perfect. It's bacon oh, bits. It is bacon bits. <laughs> um, anything else you guys have been up to? Exciting. Nope, we've, already, 
we devolved into food talk within 10 okay. seconds. So, no, I think we're good. Well, yeah, no. that's about par for the course with me. No, I'm going to devolve into some car talk or a little bit. Uh, tell us you might oh, like God, this. Oh, God, do I have to be clicker clack? <laughs> Not that car talk. Um, I think you have to be Hammond. <laughs> Does that make me Jeremy Clarkson? Uh, if, do I get to be the Stig? No, you are... Uh, um, uh, Ugh, why can't I? Am I blanking on his name? I, I can't be James I can't May. May. Again. You're James I May. I can't be May. I can't be May. I can drift. Then you would be Hammond, and and uh, uh, Sarah would be May. I'm the tallest Hammond that's I'm the tallest hamster that there's ever been. Hmm. Well, you play a Lalafell, so it's true. <laughs> um, but no, I spent the last couple of weeks um, changing out all of the light bulbs in my car. Yes, Holy crap. I replaced them all, or most of them. I replaced them all nice. with LEDs. Oh, nice. Holy nice. shit, are they bright. Yeah. Like, I just uh, got the last that, like, set yesterday. Does that, change up the car's energy usage? A little yes. bit. It does. Uh, you might actually notice a better starter performance because of that, because you're going to have more positive charge built up, because you're not going to be draining it as much. The other thing that you may want to keep an eye on is um, the brightness of your internal stuff. Because your car will try to naturally, uh, most cars try to naturally not make your headlights super bright because of the safety issues. But internals, there's not as much regulation. So like your footwells might just be really well lit all the time. That might be something to keep an eye on. Well, I don't have that many lights in this old car, but uh, I replaced, I had some burnt out bulbs on the um, the instrumentation cluster. So I had to rip mm -hmm. the dash apart the other day. That took yep. me, I did it all in an hour and a half, actually, which was impressive. Dang. Yeah. I took mine apart. It's it's really nice. Uh, I took mine apart when I was playing with the wiring harness for the new stereo, mm -hmm. and I was like, while I'm in here, why the hell not? And I switched out all the bulbs for the same reason. Because, yeah. like, once it's off, just do it. But, yeah, so I replaced those, and the LEDs are so nice and bright. Um, and then I mm -hmm. I put um, LED brake lights in, LED Good. Uh, you, um, uh, blinkers as well. Yes, and I actually Did you get had, a I had to replace the uh, um the, the flasher um brain your signals yeah the or your um, four ways no thinking here I know exactly what it what it was the relay I replaced the relay with oh. an LED compatible one instead of having to put in um the um the other option is to put in resistors yeah don't put in resistors put that's in a pain in the relay. ass the relay was yeah. nice and it was so much cheaper. It is. The relay was, and it's the better option. Yeah, exactly. It's weird. Yeah. Why they don't recommend that more often. Uh, who knows? There's actually a page on uh, Instagram called Illumina Aesthetic. They actually sell LED boards uh, and you can put them in and they're customizable, cut to fit. They come with a box of LEDs and you can make your own taillights. So you can make your design however you want. You can also program them so you can have them just do a light show. If you ever need to, yeah. and you can also set that up so that the light show only goes off in the cars in park so that you don't kill <laughs> somebody on the highway. Uh, oh, that would be hilarious. I'm sorry. But yeah, either. check them out on Instagram. They're called Lumina Aesthetic, and you can get some. There's a WRX that they show off all the time that just has the coolest, like, meteor strike light pulsing thing. They have an S14 that has the turn signals or slices of pizza and the pepperoni light up. <laughs> <laughs> 
Like they do all kinds of weird shit. It's really cool. That's uh, yeah. That would not work with my 2002 Taurus. So, <laughs> I mean, it would. It just It'd would be, look really janky. Yeah. So we'll just stick with the the, the regular uh, replacement bulbs. The coolest thing that I got though is my front blinkers. I replaced those with switchbacks. Are you familiar with those? Yeah, that's a cool idea. They are so nice because normally the bulbs were amber, the ones that were replaced. Yep. Um, yep. Now these switchbacks, what they do is the inside of that of my uh, reflector is it's clear and silver. So mm-hmm. switchbacks are on as white, but they switch to yellow when you have your hazards or your turn signal on, mm-hmm. and then it switches back to white. So yeah, really neat. So that- it's a cool aesthetic choice. Um, it it involves one less set of wiring because it's mm-hmm. one bulb. Uh, you can usually, if you're going to do side marker erasing, it, they're actually recommended. Uh, if you're going to go that far, they're really really cool, and you can get them for most cars. But a lot of times, like you have to replace the whole housing, and it just depends on what you need. But that's an awesome awesome set of upgrades. Yeah, for cars to was, redo your lights. They're cheap. I think it, the entire set of bulbs. I ended up getting like. 30 or 40 different bulbs because you know some of the small ones come in big packs yeah but all of that was like 60 bucks that's really good i know if you poke around a lot of sites will be like 2000x brand model whatever and they're like cool here's your kit and it's just a box with two and two and four and two and one and one and one and you're like all right here's all my bulbs yeah i couldn't find no excess bulbs you can find that for things like the mid 2000s, like Blob IWRXs, S14s, uh, Hachirokus, obviously, RX7s, stuff that's super popular in the modding community. You can find them for things like Dodge Neons and stuff too. But uh, depends on what's available. But not O2 POSs. Uh, no. <laughs> anyway, but like I said, I, I figured you would kind of enjoy that. And I, I enjoyed being able to, to do that work on my car a little bit and uh, you know make it yeah. a little bit safer because the LEDs are yes. so much brighter too. Yes, it's safety for you and for everybody yeah. else. And in the wintertime when you've got snow coming down, it's if you've got a brighter light, you're going to be able to see it a lot further away. Yep, for sure. So, so yeah, that was kind of what I did the last couple of weeks. Um, but uh, since this is our first show of 2020, I wanted to start it off with a huge thank you to everyone who has been supporting us, you know, as, as long as we've been going so in our fifth year now. Um, it's because of you that we're in our fifth year and we hope to, uh, continue on for many, many more. Um, and I'd actually like to give a special shout out to our current supporters, uh, out on Patreon, uh, Aurori Fenrir has been supporting us for 24 months out there and Remix Soccer has been supporting us for 40 months. That's amazing. Yeah. Like four zero. Yes. She has, she has, uh, dedication. Thank yes. you. Oh my God. Wow. Okay. <laughs> um, and Dang. on Twitch. I want to thank all of our current subscribers, Nicknar84 for 31 months, Kane Thorbreaker for 30 months, Aurori again for 28 months, uh, Thugor Gaming for 19 months, Talon Broadbent for 16, Bright Eyes 11 for 10, Connolly for 4, Renari Lysen for 4, and T Cease for 2 months. So, you guys, thank you so much for all of your support. We really Aww. do appreciate it. Um, and we appreciate everybody who joins us live here at twitch.tv slash Phoenix Star Radio or listens to the podcast on whatever podcatcher uh, you choose. So, you know, we, we want to thank you as well, but I don't know all of your names. So, 
This this way I can know who you are and I can say thank you directly to you. So thank you. That's... And you should come hang out with us. If you can. If you, you can. Yes, because yeah. it's a good time. Um, That's the time. And speaking of other cool things, uh, we are participating in Extra Life 2020. Uh, this year, we're going to be supporting Gillette Children's Specialty Healthcare in St. Paul, Minnesota again. So we're going to support the hospital here in Minnesota for me. Um, and I'm hoping to work with other streamers in the Final Fantasy community, as as well as some here in the home state of Minnesota, so we can raise as much money as we can for this excellent cause. And if you are interested, um, I know uh, OpinionBot has um, sent out or shown the link a couple of times, but I'm going to put it out here too. I need to yeah. copy it. I know Klaus has been talking with me a little bit about it, and relatively interested in actually doing it this year. Yeah, it seems like a good cause. It's a chance to do something that you enjoy and raise money for uh, really good uh, charities. And I don't know. As with how everything's been over the last several years, it feels like, hey, it'd be nice to do something that makes it feel like I'm making a positive difference. Yes. Um, and Agreed. like I said, you'll be able to, uh, if you want to support uh, Benioff again this year, you'll be able to do that yeah. so we can support both of them. We'll work out the details. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, definitely look for that. Um, and I know I did get help get you set up for streaming. So if you need more yeah. help with that, if you wanted to do some streams uh, to raise funds. Probably uh, should go over that again because I did get the new monitor and some of the parameters have changed a bit. Oh, yeah, uh, that's right. Yeah. Yep, we can work it out. Exactly. So there's that. And I know Exciting. we have been in talks with our friends over at uh, Score for a Cause. They, like I said, they're working on the 2020 campaign. Um, the Men... Yeah, or Man is it still the same name? The Manfina's Madness Blitzball? I believe so. Yes. Um. But uh, so they're working with uh, the group that they're going to be supporting this year. I'm not going to announce anything yet. That's up to them. I'm not going to spill the beans yet. But uh, let me see. I think that. Well, go ahead. But, uh, you know, we will be working with them again this year. And as soon as we have more information to divulge, we will be talking all about it here at twitch.tv slash Phoenix Down Radio. So look forward to that. You know, so we're going to try and do a couple of uh, good causes this year to help support. I'm excited to see what we're able to do this year. Yeah. That'll be a lot of fun. Be very cool. Um, and I suppose now we can jump into some gaming community news and uh, want to throw out some happy birthdays to some very amazing people over this weekend. Um, very own uh, Final 14, Final Fantasy 14 um, musical director and producer uh, Masayoshi Soken had a birthday <laughs> yesterday. Happy birthday, Soken san. Happy birthday. Today Yay. is Nicknar's birthday. So happy birthday, Nicknar. I'm trying to work out details to uh, go hang out with them tomorrow and uh, do some drinking. Cause they wanted to drink tonight. I'm like, dude, I got a podcast. So, Drunken podcast. What could yeah. go wrong? Oh, well, what so could go much. right? Yeah, the second one. And, <laughs> and then on Monday, it is Pixie Nook's birthday. AKA Luna Vox. Oh my gosh. So happy How birthday, she? Pixie. She, she is doing well. I talked with her today, actually. Outstanding. She has I been... know she started a new job and Correct. been having the usual new job challenges with that, but it sounded like she's uh, getting to be in a better place. Yes. It's taken time to, to you know, adjust to the, the new situation she's in. Um, but uh, slowly but surely, she's getting there. And I uh, want to wish her the best. So happy mm -hmm. birthday, everybody. 
Felicitations and whatnot. Yes. Um, now, last show we ta- we talked about the Final Fantasy VII demo being leaked on uh, um, with a placeholder on the uh, PlayStation Store, but uh, it is still a no-show. However, um, some people have uh, gotten access to the files that are in the demo, and they say that there are uh, a number of spoilers in there if you decide to go and data mine that information. Yeah, I am still slightly skeptical of some of the claims, but given how many incompetent security practices we've seen from uh, major companies in the past, I am a little less hesitant to dismiss it than I would have been before. At the very least, some of the, I did take a look at some of the assets, and some of them do look like placeholder things or like dummied out content that's not supposed to be part of the final. So who knows what any of it actually means. I don't want to data mine it. I want to experience it. I want to go in kind of blind, honestly. I just wanted to mention it because if you follow the news for Final Fantasy VII Remake, um, be careful because you may end up getting spoiled on something inadvertently. So do be careful as to if you want to, uh, you know, maybe... With the amount of interest there is in this, it's... Anyone who is hoping to get a little bit of uh, internet attention, uh, marketing, yada, yada, yada. So it's definitely a little bit of a dangerous environment uh, if you're trying to avoid spoilers. Do yes. be careful there. Yeah, spoiler alert, Cloud was a soldier once. <gasps> I did <laughs> so I did see some stuff where people who have looked at it are saying like, oh, Cloud's like not manly enough and stuff like that. It's like, he was a washed up guy who was pretending to be a soldier. He manages to convince... If- clothing for him convincingly pass himself off as a very girly girl this is a not a big buff guy no like i don't know where people got that image of him but it's like it's not supported by any of the stuff in the actual game also have you seen chicks that are buff they're fucking scary and awesome yeah my my ex did spartan races and i was like yeah you could rip me in half <laughs> I also see a lot of complaints about uh tifa's appearance from people who apparently have never heard for so, people that have apparently never but you yeah, your mic died. Oh, have never heard of a sports bra. Yeah, agreed. So it's kind of hilarious to watch uh people ripping themselves apart about it. Yeah. Eh, well, we sit down, we wait, eventually it'll roll in, and then I we mean, get to play it and it'll be awesome. Yep. Right. I mean it's less than two months at this point. Yeah, time seems to be going fast enough that's like, you know what? I'm just going to try to keep up with everything else, and suddenly I'll be like, oh crap, it was last week and I forgot. Yeah, that's going to be me. (laughs) I won't forget because it will be shipped to my door. I I did pre order it. No, that's reasonable. Digital copy, if I remember right. No, I I like to collect things. You know, you and I are very different on that. Doctrine of first sale (laughs) own your physical, own your games when you can. I have very strong feelings about this. Yeah. Yep. No, I hear you. Doctrine of first sale. Speaking of something you're probably not going to be able to resell, the Final Fantasy mm. 15 mobile MMO is in development. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's going to end up in the same pile as uh, all the Madden games at GameStop. No one's going to want to resell that. Well, nobody can because it's going to be mobile. Ugh. But um, apparently a South Korean studio... Uh, JSC Games and Chinese company Gaia, G-A-E-A, Mobile, are developing a mobile MMO game based on the world of Final Fantasy XV. 
Uh, the game starts right after Noctis' story begins in the main original game, and will feature new regions to explore. The game is developed using the Unreal Engine 4 in mobile? Wow. Uh, and the developers reportedly intend Mobile's to bring... Mobile's pretty fi- potent at this point. Yeah. yeah report, uh, developers reportedly intend to bring Final Fantasy XV's flashy action to mobile devices using touchscreen controls. Uh, it's reported to be released in China first, and there are plans for a global release. Um, and more details regarding the game's release are expected alongside a trailer within the first half of this year. Thoughts on a mobile FF15 MMO? I mean, there's already been uh, mobile FF15 games. There was uh, like that kind of tower defensey one, wasn't well, there? Yeah, there was uh, a new a new empire. That's the one. Um, I was just looking. Uh, I couldn't find too much about uh, JS JSC off the top of uh, my head, but Gaia Mobile is responsible for things like uh, Heroes of Camelot, Kingdoms of Camelot. Underworld Empire, a couple other ones in that vein. Okay. They may have been the distributor on that. JSC, I'm not finding a lot about what games they've actually done yet. Yeah, now, Apparently they're involved with some VR stuff. Mobile MMO, though. How is that really going to work? Well, I mean, there's plenty of mobile games where you, you have... MMO just means like you have kind of a persistent world and a lot of people that can connect to it and play it at one time. It's not necessarily the big sweeping open world experience. It's just massively multiplayer, so lots Mm -hmm. and lots of players, and online. If you just use that as a definition, you've got a lot of wiggle room in there. No, you're you're right on that, but when I picture a Final Fantasy MMO, you know, you get 11 and you get 14 in your head. I was going to say, I think of 11, 14, um, 15 had that weird, like... Yeah, yeah, the multiplayer, multiplayer game, combos, but that yeah. wasn't an MMO per se. No, and it wasn't. It didn't really go anywhere either. Unfortunately, it was, was kind of neat. I, I liked it, yeah. but I liked it when I was playing it with Lancetti. I had a lot of fun playing with her, and I was like, "Can we get two more people?" And she's like, "We can get NPCs, or we can hope to get randos." You should have. And all the all the randos were like level one. We're trying stuff, and they would just drop after a few minutes. We're like, well. All right, yeah. <laughs> we tried. Yeah, I kind of got a little of that too. I mean, I dropped it off after probably three weeks, I think. Yeah, I think we lasted about two or three weeks, and I was just like, dude, I, it, I'm i not super into this. If I'm going to play something I'm not into, I'll go back to PSO2. <laughs> like, at least there's wow. stuff to do there. I played PSO1 to a point of like physically and mentally unhealthy. PSO2, I just cannot stand Mm. it's so sad because i wanted to play it so bad (laughs) Mm -hmm. but it didn't happen well i mean it did i still played a lot i maxed out with two characters but it's not (laughs) it's free to play so it's it's my free to play when 14 is down but yeah I'd i'd like to see how they decide to do the world of 15 in an mmo setting because like it's a big enough map there's just what we got but how are we going to interact with it as non Noctis party characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, is it going to be something where we're like somehow members of the Kingsguard or otherwise involved in like various parts? I really wonder what, because they usually tend to be fairly strong about story stuff, and I really wonder where they're going to go with that. Especially like, okay, cool, you can go talk to Cindy or something. Like, great. And, like, like cool, we can talk to all of our favorite NPCs that aren't our main party from 15 but how else do we interact with this world do we get to find the dungeons 
do we get to not go in dungeons when it's nighttime? Like, do we have that same fear? Also keep in mind that, uh, at least under the story setting, you can't uh, use magic unless you effectively are being granted it from the king. So is there going to be some type of other power system? Is there going to be some explanation uh, for... Are they... They may not give us the same type of magic. Like, if they're good... If they're going to try to work in that same world, there's going to be a lot that they have to do with that. And I'm curious how they'll go about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, did you play episode Ignis? I didn't, actually. Okay. One, as of somebody that actively dislikes 15, Ignis was awesome. Okay. <laughs> episode Ignis is super, super fun. It doesn't, it doesn't pull an Ender's shadow and throw the actual universe into oblivion to make one other story. Um, they actually make Ignis make a lot more sense. His decision-making, a lot of his logic makes more sense. His interactions with Arden make a lot more sense in the main story. Plus, you get to play with elemental-themed uh, knives. So you still get magic, but not really. Because they can't give him magic, but they can give him something akin to magic. So he has some cool powers. It was really fun. Well, then again, those were all given to him by the king, so they were imbued. Yep. There's also a lot of headcanon of, like, is he Noctis' half-brother? Like, all this other stuff. It's like, no, no, that's fan canon, but whatever. It's fun to play. It takes, like, two hours. It's a blast. Uh, So for anybody listening that has liked or played 15 and they haven't hit some of the DLC yet, do it. Yes. Some of it's not great. Some of it's amazing. It's an extra 10 hours of content. Have fun. Yeah. It's worth it. Episode Woo! Prompto was fun. I enjoyed playing that one. So. Plus Prompto was just adorable. Mm-hmm. I, the fact that he wrote lyrics to the Chocobo theme that are now ubiquitous with the Chocobo theme. I want to ride my Chocobo, Chocobo all, day. all day. Oh, God, the timing, the timing. <laughs> yes. Ah, the ear vomit for all of the podcast listeners. I'm sorry. <sighs> yeah, I keep starting to see again that Tally's joins, in, Tally's joins in with me, which is awesome and would be great in real life, except the delay on timing through Discord means that, oh, it's off, it's off, it's so frustrating. Yeah. Row, row, row your boat, gently row, down row, the stream. Row, 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 Okay, we fixed it. We got it, guys. We got a song we can sing now. No, there's too much delay. <laughs> you ruined it. it. Um, I am interested just to learn more about this. Agreed. Because I mean, like I said, I want to see how it goes. The idea is intriguing, there, but it does bring up a lot of questions. Like Sarah said, it's just like, and I think a lot of people are still just kind of salty about FF15 in general. Why, dude? I've been just go play Pocket Edition, and it's just so cute. <laughs> uh. I mean, I didn't just go play hate... the theater rhythm sprite version of the game. I didn't hate 15. It's it's not. It's not at the bottom of my list by a long shot, but it's not above the midpoint on my list either. I mean, it's better than 13-3. 13-3 isn't a game. It's better than 10-2. Mm, yeah, I can give you that. Sarah might not, but Sarah, Sarah's uh, uh, staring daggers at me, I think. <laughs> Sorry, uh, the Loremonger channel uh, just developed enough interest in it to spin off its own food channel, and so people were posting pictures, and I got distracted. What was this about 13.2? Do I have to kill you now? No, 13.2 no, 13, 13, 13, 13, is great. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, I love Chrono Trigger 3. Okay. Talos said something that was accurate. Klaus said something I'm going to need to murder him. Now he's understanding it. All right. I mean, all I heard was Talos said something about Chrono Trigger, and in the context of 32, it essentially is like the Chrono Trigger sequel we should have gotten. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. Chrono Trigger meets Pokemon. Yep. Yeah. With maybe a tiny. Yeah. Okay. And then Klaus was knocking on 10 2, and so, like, he needs to die. As I do. Pick the the hill you want to die on Master Quest or 15. Which one was the worst game? <laughs> was it Mystic Quest? What is it called in America? Mystic Quest, the one that was on SNES, the one where yeah. you're on the final boss was a quick way to kill him. Yep, the one with Benjamin as a main character. Never played it. Well, that's a perfectly legit name. <sighs> it's a bad game. It's Final Fantasy USA. There's good speed runs of it. It's a good time. It's not as Never mind. I'm going to go off on speedruns if we, if you let me. So we well, should just move on. We'll be talking about those later, potentially. Truth, truth. Um, and since it is now a new year, we did get New Year's greetings from Yoshida. And if you don't mind, I'm going to go ahead and read through what he wrote. Please do. Uh, hello. Uh, this is not actually producer Yoshi, Yoshi P, but uh, these are his words. Wishing you all of you Warriors of Light a happy new year. 2019 was an incredibly important year for us as our third expansion, Shadowbringers, saw the player experience and overall quality of the game improve by leaps and bounds. This would never have been possible without the devotion and continued support of you, the Warriors of Light, so I'd like to take this opportunity to express my gratitude. Over the last year, I've had enough, have had even more chances to travel overseas, and from meeting players around the world and taking part in interviews, I've really gained a sense of how much Final Fantasy XIV has grown. The second orchestral concert was held in Japan, while we had fan festivals not only in North America, Europe, and Japan, but China and South Korea as well. So there's been a lot going on, both inside and outside of the game. Although everyone in the development and operations teams have been taking time off over the new year, the 5.x series is proceeding apace. Patch 5.18 was released at the end of the year, and most of 5.2 is now ready. Uh, From the start of the year, we'll be carrying out adjustments and testing for bugs before releasing patch 5.2, Echoes of a Fallen Star, planned for mid-February. To bring a close to the critically acclaimed Shadowbringers, patches 5.2 and 5.3 form two halves of a single chapter. There are lots of surprises in store for the first half, so please look forward to it. Speaking of surprises, I found a bizarre note on my desk, although its true meaning remains something of a mystery. Oh, we got our New Year's poem. Uh, from uh, It's a marginalia scribbled upon a history tome in the Cabinet of Curiosity, and what's written is, For what are warriors of light, but earnest souls of good intent, resolved to do that which is right, regardless of a consequence? First off, I want to say, love the word marginalia. That is an underused word. <laughs> uh, go ahead and uh, finish. All right. It seems this was found hidden in the Kristarium's extensive library. But is this historic fact or some sort of prophecy? And I saw you had some notes. Yep. So as usual, uh, they did post four different versions of the poem in English, Japanese, French, and German. So the lore mongers have been going over the four different translations. And once again, as usual, they're mostly similar, but there's some subtle differences that can help clarify the meaning a little bit. And there's the usual, oh, 
girlfriend, and that means English was deviating from the Japanese script. That isn't actually true, and I'm really tired of the people who complain about that, but they're <laughs> complaining about it again. Ugh. Um, were there any... any we can get into more... Oh, uh, so let me see. I actually have the text of the other ones. Uh, so they provided the actual characters, but I cannot uh, pronounce these properly. So I can just give you the best translations we've got for them. Sure. For the Japanese one, it would be, Throughout history, there have been numerous heroes. Warriors of light, they have been called. However, if this is so, it is because they have dedicated themselves to others that they are called heroes, that they ought to be called warriors of light. Seems similar. Um, and which which language yeah. was that? That was the Japanese one. Okay. The German one would be, uh, the world has known many heroes known as the Warriors of Light. He, too, who was dedicated to these lofty goals, is known by this name. Anonymous note in the history of Norfrant, Cabinet of Curiosity. So the uh, German and French ones named the book, but they call it History of Norfrant, which is kind of a generic name. So I can see just referring to it as a history tome. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the French one would be, these heroes called Warriors of Light have succeeded one another over the years. He offered his body and soul for others, and so he too deserves this name. So it's uh, there's kind of a recurring theme of like the idea that uh, Warrior of Light being a title that's kind of bestowed upon uh bestowed uh, by the people based on people who do these type of good acts and so there may be these other people who they're arguing should be recognized as warriors of light even if history did not necessarily recognize them as such. Uh, the fact that this is in Norvrant, uh, which I believe did also have a history of warriors of light up until the very last ones which kind of put a bad name to them. Uh there's suggestion that this may be about our familiar friend that showed up in the Stinger uh, or something else to deal with the idea of, like, other warriors of light. Uh, the English one, I kind of liked some of the phrasing, the idea of, like, talking about earnest souls of good intent and uh, being resolved to do that which is right regardless of the consequence kind of plays a little bit into the whole idea of, like, the road to hell being paved with good intentions and the last warriors of light having had good intent, having tried to act for the good, but maybe having this thing that have a consequence that wasn't necessarily, which I know is a little bit more poetic license. That's one of the things I know shows up in the English ones. They will tend to play around with idiom a little bit more to allow for alternate interpretations or to allow some of that deeper exploration. Yeah, I, I find which it. I, tend to love. I was gonna say I find it interesting that the ones from the the European uh, area mention a specific person. Yeah, he too, who was dedicated to these lofty goals, is known by this name, mm-hmm. or body and soul for others, and so he too deserves this name. Whereas the English and Japanese really don't; they're more talking of overarching um, warrior of light yeah. concept. Yeah, kind of in the abstract. And so there's a question about, okay, the tome it's written in, was it possibly like, if it's in a history book and you write it in the margins alongside the profile of this person who was a. Uh, considered controversial or there's all sorts of other stuff that could be going on always they're leaving it a little bit ambiguous because they like to tease it with us with it and i think they know that we end up having a lot of these in-depth discussions about it so there's been a lot of that announced i want context damn it oh we'll get it eventually (laughs) all right and then he finishes up uh we're now entering the 10th year since the release of the original final fantasy 14 It's also been 10 years since I first became involved with the project. As we step into a new decade, 
You can be sure there will be an amazing fan festival to mark the occasion, and we'll be working our socks off to bring you more epic adventures. Here's to a great 2020. Happy New Year. Hmm. I want that fan fest information, damn it. <laughs> you and everyone else. Right? I th- I mean, I'm pretty sure they're trying to, like, make sure it's at a bigger venue. I know with all the concerns about the ticket lottery, stuff like that, no matter how fair they try to make the system, there's going to be a lot of people who are unhappy because there's only so many tickets and a lot of people just aren't going to get them. The people who don't get them aren't necessarily going to be like, oh, well, I guess I just lost last in line kind of thing. So it sucks. Yeah, but I mean, it it would be nice if we could actually have an opportunity to get in there without them being sold out in 30 seconds. And I think that's one of the goals in having it at a place where it's going to be a larger venue is they can have a lot more tickets. Yes. So I'm hoping, you know, like we're all kind of guessing LA. Um, it's at the very least the most likely guess, yeah. but I've heard reasonable arguments for other places as well. So we'll see how it works out. Exactly. You know, as long as it's a venue that maybe we can see 10,000 people there. Or more. Yeah. I mean, I'm just, you know, I'm not... I'd be stoked for 10K. That'd be awesome. Yeah, I mean, I know the Japanese one, I think it was 15,000. Yeah, I was going to say, should we try to go for 15? Where well, was that located? Do we, we knew where that was uh, located, right? It's where they do Tokyo Game Show. Oh, okay. Oh, God. Yeah. No, that's... And they, only, and they only used two of the halls. Yeah. So September of this year, I'm definitely going to try to get to TGS if I can. Ooh. Nice. We'll have your report on some stuff from the Square Enix booth. <laughs> I've had a th- I've had friends that go every year, so I'm like, all I have to do is just be like, hey, bring when back do swag. We meet? No, just when do we meet? Buy me a ticket. Here's your here's I paid uh, you hundred dollars. No. Let's go. That's not something you're saying in this scenario. That's an order from me to you. <laughs> you just want me to mail you shit. Yes. Yeah. Here, have an inflatable Dark Knight sword. Woo. I mean. Mail me stuff, and then some of it I'm going to be like, I don't need this, and give it away to other people, but I won't tell you that. And that's perfectly fine. I've won a lot of random things in Final I mean, Fantasy-related stuff that I've given away to listeners and whatnot. I mean, mm-hmm. Have you guys seen my collection of stuff? Yeah. <laughs> it's called a house. <laughs> have you seen my collection of stuff? It's called a selfie. It's great. You are technically correct. The best kind of correct. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's all a house is. It's a pile of stuff with a roof on it. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> anyway, so that's kind of all of the uh, gaming community news that we were able to scrounge up over the past two weeks. There maybe have been some other stuff, but it was boring. Yeah, there's just... N- like, that is one of the things this time of year, especially with how busy and frenetic the holidays are. Usually there's just a little bit of like, okay, it's over. Everyone catch your breath again. Yep. Yeah. I Plus, mean, we're also in that weird spot on the patch cycle where it's like, we just got, uh, was it 518? Like, mm-hmm. we're not doing anything for a little bit. And yeah. everybody's maxing out crafters. They're still seeing a few people at like the 71, 75 range standing in Ishgard, slamming out their crafting. People in alt classes with hodgepodges of gear at eye levels, all from 390 to 450, just all See, over the place. Everybody's filling in all those gaps over the next couple of weeks. When I, when I ran trusts, I made sure to save everything I got to stockpile for when I'm on my other job. I match when I level up, damn it. Because awesome. this is very important to me. Because Sarah likes to hoard. Uh, hey, 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 do you know how well sorted my retainers are? 
I have nothing on We're my retainers. So. I mean, this is you, you're, um, this is also coming from the guy who has four retainers just full of random crafting things dating back all the way to ARR. Oh my god, I found <laughs> nine, you're gonna love this, grade five dark matter. Wow. I found stacks of stuff that I couldn't figure out what it was for and couldn't remember and it wasn't craftable, it was in a weird spot when I hit auto sort, I didn't know what it was. I finally... Finally, Wait, dark matter or carbonized matter? Carbonized, whatever it was. The stuff that patched out at the start of Stormblood. Oh. The stuff that the NPC who told you about how to use it now remarks about how it's as useful as nipples on a breastplate. If yes. you go back to that NPC, they changed his dialogue. Nice. I love it. So I also found a bunch of piles of crap. I was like, what is this for? And it turns out you turn it into Talon in Mordona to get the Kingcraft cakes. Oh, yeah. I got 71 Kingcraft cakes. Mm. I decent mm. all of them, and then I sold 18 tiny crowns on the market for it. Because <laughs> I just had like six slots in my inventory completely full of garbage. And now I've turned it into a small pile of gill. It Sometimes we sort as much as we want, and we think we've got it, and we don't got it. <laughs> There's gonna be random stuff that appears. Oh yeah, definitely. <sighs> but I mean, that's just kind of the way this time of year is, and you know, a little bit yeah. of behind the scenes for you guys. Um, it took up until what about six o'clock last night for us to come up with a discussion topic to discuss today. Is true because we just couldn't think of anything, but uh, there's so little going on, which is kind of nice as a whole. Like, hey, it's time to take, like, even at my job, we go have story time break for about two weeks during the holidays. Everyone's busy, lots of folks are out of town, schedules are messed up, so we just don't even do our story times, which is great for a whole like everyone take stock, figure out what you're doing, set up for the new year. Mm-hmm. It's kind of crappy for the people out there who are here to listen to us do a show. Yep. But mm. uh, thanks to Sarah, uh finding some information about a project he was interested in, he gave us the idea of uh, talking about the modding community in Final Fantasy. Uh, total coincidence there. We were very lucky. Yeah. I mean, but the thing is, the thing <laughs> of it, and I don't know why we didn't think of it before, but the fact that, I mean, there is a lot of mods available for all the different Final Fantasy games. And and modding is one of those things where it has, you know, good connotations to some people, but to others it has a really negative connotation. You know, people think of cheating or, um, you know, trying to skip through the game to make it easier or um, botting or, you know, things like that. So I mean, Which, I mean, some of them are the kind of like the trainers or stuff like mm-hmm. that. Which is stuff that, like, just shout-outs we don't condone adjusting games that affect other people's gameplay yeah I mean, or your end user license agreement but boy that one bag app in wow in like 2004 before it was actually just an option was you know those kind of mods are just helpful and don't hurt anybody yeah uh so yeah quick uh disclaimer any are the online games uh ff11 and 14 or any other game with online content uh does violate the terms of service and does have a chance of having your account revoked uh so we do not condone the use of those yes and we're not going to actually be discussing any of those at this point we may talk about some of the availability of things in a future um uh, session of this i mean because this is something that we can 
milk this, you know, for a few weeks at least. <laughs> Woo! Oh, we're gonna until we get some kind of actual announcement about what's going on. <laughs> exactly. Well, I mean, we'll probably have news next next show. But uh, oh yeah, I hope so. But uh, yeah, so to start off with, we're gonna talk about what is modding. Um, now, I, th my definition here came from Wikipedia because everybody loves Wikipedia, right? Ubay. They have a reasonable summation of a lot of things, as long as you don't go too into the weeds on niche topics. All right, so what we've got here, <laughs> a mod, short for modification, is an alteration by players or fans of a video game, uh, one that, has cha that changes one or more aspects of a video game, such as how it looks or behaves. Mods uh, may ch range from small changes and tweaks to complete overhauls and can extend the replay value and interest of the game. Uh, now, as early as the 1980s, video game mods have also been used for the sole purpose of creating art as opposed to an actual game. Uh, this can include recording in-game actions as a film, as well as attempting to reproduce real-life areas inside a game with no regards for gameplay value. This has led to the rise of artistic video game modification as well as Machinima and Demoscene. Yeah. I know about Machinima, but I hadn't actually heard the term Demoscene before. Neither had I, but... Um... Apparently that's a thing too. Um, now there are multiple types of mods out there. Um, you know, the most extreme being a total conversion, which basically replaces all the artistic assets in the original game and sometimes the core aspects of the game play. Basically they're just utilizing the engine of the game uh, to create something totally different. And sometimes maybe some of like the really base ideas of it like hey this is something that is ostensibly set in the same universe but we're going to explore a very different aspect of it yep um overhauls which significantly change the entire game's graphics and gameplay usually with the intent to improve on the original but not going so far as a complete remake those almost sound like a texture pack kind of a thing uh, so sometimes it can be a graphical one, but one of the ones that we'll discuss, actually the one that I remembered the announcement about that inspired this whole thing, uh, is a mod for FF6 that take, uh, since FF6 there's a lot of stuff about it that makes it feel like maybe some aspects weren't finished, were poorly balanced, other stuff like that, so it actually goes into the code to rewrite a lot of that stuff, fix uh, broken mechanics, make some of the other stuff more tactically interesting, and we'll talk a little bit more about that when we get yep. to it, but oftentimes it's a hey, we don't feel like the original game as released really like went through enough quality assurance or was well-balanced, and so we're going to endeavor to fix that. Not just appearance, but full-on mechanics. Yep. So, like, Magic Evasion works? Yes! <laughs> Among other things, but yes, that is one of them. Yes. Oh, I, broke, and, I, I figured that out, and I was like, oh, well, this game's over. That's just yep. stuff. Right. Uh, not everyone can... Uh, or, like... The Vigor stat actually has a use. Yeah. Anyways, we'll cover that in a bit. Uh, some other types would be randomizers, which are typically yes. atop games of the 8 and 16-bit generations. They keep the fundamental gameplay, but randomize elements of the game to make it more of a challenge. Now, a lot of these uh, rise up in the speedrunning community, uh, where they are trying to give uh, the runners a, a new challenge in, in, as they play the game, and they try to finish it as fast as possible. Yeah. I mean, some existed for 20 to 30 years. At this point, they're pretty well played out. But with a randomizer, you might change up the locations of where you get a lot of key items, of where you get a lot of abilities that allow you to access certain stuff. And so it can kind of test your fundamental understanding of the whole game in terms of, okay, which bits are you finding? What does that allow you to yeah, so components do you need? 
which flags and in what order. I was mentioning earlier, there's an FF1 randomizer. And sometimes you get a seed where you're like, I didn't get the rod. And they eventually, like, they, they softlocked the game, couldn't continue. They checked the rod showed up in the Chaos uh, Temple dungeon. Uh, for those who don't know, myself included, what does the rod normally allow you to do? Or what does it, it require to do? It opens the midpoint in the first dungeon of the game. Mm. So it opens, once you kill the vampire, there's a slab that you have to move in the earth dungeon, and you can't move it without that rod. Yep. So you can't get the earth crystal, which means you can't unlock the top of, or means you can't unlock the, the chaos temple, which means you can't go fight the final boss. So if that particular key item is in the wrong spot, you can't move forward. And you see that in some randomizers, some seeds are unbeatable, but we're getting better and better at making sure that you don't end up with that problem. Yeah, some of those randomizers are, at this point, are very cunningly designed uh, to check for particular types of conditions and not create a loop where, to complete one thing, you need an item behind another thing that you need to to get to, you need to complete the first one. But it does change up your game order a lot. Mm -hmm. It does, because now all of a sudden you're like, cool, I'm level four, I have wooden weapons, I have 16 HP, and I have to go to the volcano? Like there's just there's no way you walk across two tiles and you're dead. Like it's hard. It's a lot of fun. Randomizers can add a lot of challenge to games very yep. easily. Um, then we have some of the small things like add-ons. Um, usually adds adding things into a game, uh, like a weapon or a uh, a piece of armor or you know. Or might add access might add access to an area that you only get uh, for a limited time. It adds a way to go back. Murder Carp. I'm thinking of Murder Carp from Pokemon. Ooh, what's that one? It's a shiny magic carp that knows Roar of Time. Ooh. <laughs> it's gets completely hacked in and it's really, really funny to watch. Yeah. But yeah, usually these ones, it'll be like a kind of smaller scale edition where it's like, oh hey, we uh I like this weapon type, but the uh like I like bows, but there aren't really that much in the terms of endgame bows. So we added a couple bows to keep things a bit more interesting there. Yep. I mean now you can almost liken it to a DLC, like a little add-on uh that you can get for you know games now. Mm-hmm. Fan made DLC. Yeah, basically. With, without all the problems that that sentence contains. Uh, they could <laughs> yeah. It's like different set of problems. Yeah. Yeah, yeah true. Um, and you have art mods, which are created for artistic effects, uh, most frequently associated with video game art, um, reshaders and, uh, things like that. Yep. This is also where, for instance, being in a, a LGBT free company, I know of at least a couple of our members who love to have their nude mods. Something I never quite understood the point of, but some, for some people, it can just be like, Hey, this adds some type of visual appearance that we really like. Yeah. Um, UI mods, which change parts of how players interact with the game, and commonly um, common mods to the UI reveal information that player or modder believes is helpful in playing the game. Um, I know Warcraft had a lot of uh, UI mods available in it. Something we wish uh, Final Fantasy XIV had. Yeah, and I mean, like, oftentimes, though, especially for the uh, ones that are done in uh, games like that, where there may be more institutional support for the mod, a lot of those ones are often test beds where they then will add that to content themselves. Exactly. Uh, stuff where you see, like, okay, players really do value having this information on the mini-map. We didn't know if it would be worth it to add it, but we'll now go ahead and add this option to do it. Or uh, Windower, when you had your spell timers that you could add into it. 
and 11. Mm -hmm. Or even Windower just for I'd like to be able to alt-tab without crashing the game. Yeah. I loved <laughs> Windower. 11 was what, 2001? Yeah, and like designed originally for the PS2. Yeah, technology was very different back then. Even though it came out for uh, PC before PS2. Oh yeah, I'm not actually sure which order it was designed in now that I think. Like I said, I beta tested it on PS2, but uh, it wasn't set for release until March of the following year, whereas the PC release came out in October. Maybe they just had a weird production schedule. E, who knows? SE had a weird production schedule. <laughs> Say it ain't so. It could have also been with Sony and the hard drives. E. Or, 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 or getting, or yeah, just that's getting also enough possible. compatible hard drives available. Or I don't. I'm not 100 percent certain because I know the PS2 nope. version shipped with a hard drive. Yes. Yep. I remember that. And yeah, if it was a matter of production, that could explain it. But yeah, the UI ones are the ones where sometimes you start to have a bit of fan disagreement because some see it as, okay, this is this is like, okay, this is the information that you still had available. It's just packaging and putting it in a neater thing. And so it's not really changing anything. While others see it as by you're being supplied with this information in a way that the original designers of the game did not necessarily explicitly intend. And this more efficient thing is giving you advantage. So there's all these are the this is the point where you start running into debate about whether this provides an unfair advantage. Yeah. I don't really have a strong opinion on it, but I know that this is the point where that. I mean, with current developments, they, they um they know that UIs are very important to the player base, and they're open to changes and things that you can make um customizable. But back um when games were in their um earlier times, it was something they didn't think as much about. So the ability I remember for people with... to make those changes and and add them in afterwards is very important. I remember with FF11, the way they talked about it, you could tell that the uh, director of the game had the feeling of they are going to experience it in the way that I intend it. Yeah. yeah. And this was something that the player base rankled against a lot. Yeah, vehemently said, no, that's not how we do this. Yeah, and definitely with more modern ones, you see, uh, okay, like, the customer is always right in the sense of if the customer wants particular types of things, we are going to do our best rather yeah. than say it doesn't matter what you think you need this is what we're providing take it or leave it yeah it's nice to have you know developers that at least will take a number of uh, um, players suggestions and they'll at least do a feasibility uh study on it to see whether it's something yeah. that can be done uh, versus you know something that they just feel should be in there or just fl not flat out say no that's one of the things I think people have really liked about Yoshi P. Uh, he's been very open to talk about talking about, it's like, I get why you would want this. This is why this is a, a cause of the problem, and so it's infeasible for us. Like, he's really good about talking about yeah. that kind of thing. Kind of like how... Nightmare. Remember somebody asked about, like, 1.0 <laughs> servers, and he was just, like, shaking his head, like, while they're asking the question, like, no. That's <laughs> a terrible idea. We're not doing that. <laughs> or like in the last uh, live letter where he basically said that, no, we can't do butt sliders because of this. Yep. Yeah. And, and he like butt sliders because of how gear works now. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Sure. Gave us one of the best gifts ever. So it's true. It's true. He also um. explained a little bit about like, and I don't know if he explained it yet or if it was just in writing, but it was explaining why the Vieira's headgear is such a disaster. It's like, look, you're, you have bunny ears. 
do you really want me to figure out how to make every plate mail helmet work with that? Like, dude, it's not going to happen. Give it a minute. We already saw the weirdness with the Mikote one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, you know what? You want cool headgear? You have cat ears. You want cool headgear? You have dragon horns or bunny ears. You want cool headgear? You're a lion. Like, figure it out. <laughs> if you want to have headgear, be a here. You'll be fine. Wear all the helmets. Or an elephant. Elephant get very little love. They do because they have so much neck. <sighs> like all the neck. I mean, that's, that'd be a lot of uh, neck to protect with armor, so. I don't want to do that. That's I like wh- being a potato. That's why you're a potato. That's why I'm a potato. <laughs> Are we going back to calling Els and Dalmels? Has the racist slur migrated from Vanadil to Eorzea? It has now. Well, haven't we been calling uh, him that since uh, it came out? Did I just do a racism? I feel like I just did a racism. <laughs> yes. Good job, Sarah. Sarah did Crap. a racism. <laughs> That's the name of the episode. Oh, no. <laughs> Our highest downloaded episode ever. God. <laughs> and, and Sarah's thinking this in his head. <laughs> You know, this is the kind of thing that's going to come back to haunt me in front of a congressional committee someday. I'm so looking forward to when you're, like, accepting your doctorate and we get to, like, play all this crap back at you. Yep. Oh, God. <laughs> oh. Hey, Klaus, we broke Sarah. Let's talk about mods. Yeah, and then yes. there's mod packs. Groups of mods put into one package for download. Um, basically take a number of uh, fan-made mods, make sure they work together, and then just package them all together in a nice, neat bow. Kind of nice to have. Yep. Oftentimes, you'll have a lot of stuff that's thematically grouped. Like, there'll be a number of related UI mods that all together make the cre- uh, creator of the pack feels makes for a much cleaner experience. Yeah, because a lot of times you'll you notice... Might- oh, go ahead. Sorry. Or you might have cosmetic ones uh, that also include a number of new things uh, that are like, hey, now that we've solved this cosmetic issue, this type of thing, this type of armor doesn't look so bad. So here's some things for it. In a a lot of the older games, you'll notice that it's specific people who seem to work on uh, certain mods for certain games. So a lot of times they will take their mods and put them together. Oh, yeah. Some of these get to be very niche communities, Mm -hmm. like the type of thing where if with it, you will very quickly be talking with some of the biggest names because there just aren't that many people in, in it. Mm-hmm. Which can be really fun. It's like, here's this small group of people shared by this common passion about this thing. Or united by, not shared by. Words. Words are hard. Wording is hard. Yeah. Let's go shopping. All right. Okay. Now, um, in, fi- in Final Fantasy, you know, all, a lot of the games that have been released have mods. Um, I and- I'm not sure if there's any that doesn't hit this. Mm, there might be a couple. I mean, some of them may have been ROM hacked after the fact, but, uh, you know, as far as, you know, which ones should have mods and which ones are supported to have mods is, you know, still yeah. kind of questionable. Um, now, some oh, yeah, we're them, always operating in a gray area on these things. No, though some of them are fully supported by Square Enix, such as uh, in Final Fantasy XV Windows Edition. Um, the modding community is actually very active, and uh, um, it's encouraged. That's Tool- pretty cool. Tools were built in to allow for that. Um, I th- don't think it would have been as popular a game if it didn't have uh, modding available, to be honest with you. 
But, and that's something you can see, like, kind of how the ethos has changed from a, hey, we will prosecute anyone who messes with our proprietary yada yada to, hey, we've included some modding tools and we want to see what you create with it. Yeah, Well, because they want to see what we create with it. Because now when they start on Final Fantasy 16, they go, hey, everybody changed this. Mm-hmm. Hey, everybody didn't do this. Or they look at, you know, all the, the PlayStation and Steam or whatever, and they go, we put in an achievement for doing this basic thing five times and hardly anybody got it, which means nobody did this thing five times. We should yep. probably not include something similar in the next game that we make. Yep. Like the amount of information that they can, uh, like effectively free UI UX testing, technically yep. after the fact, but it's still useful for your next game. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's free development, really. It's free real estate. Wait, what? No, if, Yay, to, memes. if you look at, I, I, I'm memeing Klaus. I know, but I'm, I'm, if you look at steam, you know, valve back at the beginning, you know, they had half-life mm-hmm. and half-life spawned a number of mods. Some of them like were, were counter-strike counter-strike Gary and, uh, um, team fortress and yeah. So those many, were all mods originally. Yeah. And then they, they spawned their own games off of that. And like I said, Valve embraced the in, in, in fully and it became one of the biggest um, successes in PC gaming. And that's why Steam is as big as it is right now, because Steam saved PC gaming. Yeah. When, when, people, when people are telling you what they want, you should probably at least listen a little bit. I know some people will say that Steam's also ruined PC gaming, but that's yeah. for it's a different one, reason. <laughs> yeah. It's the one piece of DRM I don't loathe. I'm still not a fan of DRM in general, but Steam I at least don't hate. Yeah, I mean, there were reasons behind it because, you know, in the beginning there were also hacks. You know, people were able to uh, cheat and they had to put in certain uh, uh, digital rights management things to keep people from modding certain things that they shouldn't have to give them an unfair advantage. Um, Aimbots. Yep. A those, lot of aimbots, <laughs> especially in TF2 and, and those the original the, TF. The types of mods that, you know, are frowned upon, you know, when it gives you unfair Ooh. advantage, like in Final Fantasy 11 or 14, um, mods are frowned upon because a lot of times they can give you an unfair advantage in the game. Um, you don't want people uh, duplicating gill or items and, you know, getting unfair advantage nope. on the uh, in the economy or, you know, even getting better gear faster than they should and uh maybe beating end game content before anybody else is so but if you build a macro in game using the macro tool for your melee dps aoe combo that's fine that's using in-game tools Mm -hmm. it's annoying to the other three people in your party unless you're i don't know using trusts like then it's perfectly fine to do that kind of stuff and it's a nice little entry point for people to go I want to make my character do something without me having to do it. They can play with macros and they can go, I can two button craft for 60 facet gear. Like that's amazing. Okay, cool. Take that skill, use those skills in a different way. And all of a sudden you're working on really, really cool mods for games. And three years from now you're working in it potentially. Yeah. Um, like yeah. the path is real. <laughs> it's really cool. Yeah, like a lot of people I know uh, in industries like that got their start with 
essentially these very simple programs that were stuff in a setting they really enjoyed and where they could experiment with it and get immediate feedback about, oh, this is how this works. Oh, this is how this goes together. It's one of those, like, you teach people to make the Hello World program on their TI-83 calculator, and you're like, that's great and all, but have you ever watched somebody figure out exactly what size to make something in MS Paint and what folder to drop it in to reskin their character in Grand Theft Auto 3? Teach a 14-year-old to do that in the 90s, and all of a sudden, that person ends up working at Nintendo 20 years later. Gee, I don't know where <laughs> that have came from. Like, it, that stuff's real. It happens. It's awesome. But it's understanding that as long as you're not breaking laws, as long as you're not mm -hmm. breaking end user license agreements, go nuts on your mods. Yeah. If you're playing with yourself, and well, that's phrasing, <laughs> but have fun, Klaus. There's got to be a button on your box for that. <laughs> uh, exactly. You like, like, if you're just playing solo, do whatever. If you're going to go in and be like, I'm going to jack up this 24 man raid with an aimbot, don't be a jerk. Don't be that guy. Don't be that. It's person. a trap. It's a trap I'll, for sure. Also, if you attempt to monetize this in any way, they're more likely to come down. Oh, yeah. oh God. That's oh, where there was like, oh, a lot of this, some of this also is like technically it may be an unauthorized modification. And so their end user license agreement says that you are not allowed to, yadi. But for practical purposes, in most cases, it's never going to come to their attention. And it's not oh. something that's harming their bottom line that much. So they don't care. Continue to make them not care. Don't attack their bottom line in any way. Don't you become get, a big enough thing. If you get to like, room seven in the uh, the canals every time, maybe they'll start noticing. Yeah. So maybe don't pick the uh, the door with the higher value. <laughs> like be smart, but also, I'm kind of reminded of World War Two uh, when the Enigma machine, which is being used uh, by the act. Uh, by the access to code their messages, where mm -hmm. the allies were able to get a hold of it, uh, reverse engineer a lot of stuff, and worked out how to break the encryption on it. And so they could read all of these encoded messages. They acted on all of them. It'd be like, oh, crap, our encryption's been broken, and they would change to another one. Mm -hmm. So there was some amount of stuff that they just let go by, and others where it'd be like, okay, we want to stop this attack, we need to do something that makes it look like we've got a bunch of people randomly exploring and one of them just happens to run across it. I'm getting a whole, like, Borg remodulation thing going on right now. Oh, sorry. Uh, what was the last No, no, not, you, no not, your, not your voice, but just the actual strategy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we shoot them with phasers, they remodulate, and now phasers don't work. Yeah. You want to... Like you want to be uh, like, this is a basic thing for information theory, for encryption. If they know you can break their coding, they're going to change their system. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you want to make use of that information without letting them know that you have it. So maybe don't one hit kill chaos with a monk. Yeah. <laughs> well, don't make it super obvious. It I mean, is fun, by the way. If it you're is doing it for your own... Yeah, enjoyment. if it's a single player one and you're not like posting it on like, look, I set a world record for defeating you. Like that one guy, the one who had all the controversy recently about the arcade uh, records. Mm, yeah, that guy. Yeah, yeah. Like, did, as long as you're you not doing that do type of thing, whatever, indulge in your own power fantasies. I'm not going to laugh at you for that. Everyone's got their own little power fantasy. Congrats, you're good at pinball. Did you know if you put that much effort into literally anything else, you'd be a millionaire? I mean, not really. <laughs> well, uh, you never know.
strategies. But yeah, I mean, you could put that much effort into other things and be surprisingly good at them, and they might have slightly better outcomes for your life. Yeah. So, I mean, the thing is, you know, if you try to, you know, monetize, you know, any work done in the modding community, then you could uh, bring down the ire of the developer because you're exactly. basically, you know, impeding on their bottom line at that point. That's yep. why a lot of people feel that modding is a uh, touchy subject or a gray area for a lot of things. But also. Also, I think in the cases of at least some creators, they see it as, hey, you're taking my creation, this thing I worked hard on, and you're futzing around with all this stuff. Like, for some of them, it can become a surprisingly personal thing. <laughs> he said hard on. <clears throat> How dare you put ketchup on your steak? <sighs> I mean, that is should be, that should be a capital offense. Oh, it is. I, I, I get it what is. you're saying. It is. Um, but there was a friend of mine, his name's Chad. He used to play WoW, played forever. And one of his guild leaders found this super cool mod and it was for mage. It was for healers and it kept track of your cooldowns and your mana usage and told you which one was the most like efficient, had all this calculation and it worked really good. He made it a raid required. If you were going to be in a raid in our group, you needed this mod because it was so efficient and so effective. Sure enough, about two weeks later, all their healers logged in. Everything's gone. They are standing there in small cloths. All their gear's gone. All their weapons are gone. All their money's oh, wow. gone. And it's it's wow. And they were like, hey, my stuff's gone. And they're like, oh, well, your account got hacked because somebody figured out your username and password. And it's like, okay, well, do I get my stuff back? And they're like, nope. Have fun at level one. And you have to start from scratch. And it's awful. And it's, it's theft, right? If anybody's ever had their house broken into or their car breaking into... Yes, it's annoying to replace your car window, but it's worse to know that somebody's been inside of your personal space without your permission. And it's the same feeling. It's like, so when you see some MMO mods, you have to go, do I trust this one? Yeah. And so for a lot of us, you know, old WoW players, we look at some of the stuff for 14, like there's a texture pack. There's a cool thing that helps with G pose. And we're like, I don't want that because yeah, some of it. You I lost do, all my healer stuff. Yeah, I don't careful. want to do this ever again. People put key loggers and, and things like that, you know, backdoors into these, oh, yeah. uh, these little uh, programs that people use to make their games look pretty. And yeah, and you can lose a whole bunch of stuff. I mean, it can actually be used to also gain access to your actual PC. So you need to be very careful on some of this and make sure that if you do want to engage in modding, that you go to a trusted location. Yeah, usually it's better to look for like the communities where you have a lot of people working on this discussion, stuff like that, rather than just something you happen to find on some random site with no vetting. Exactly. So a lot Thankfully, of the ones... most most mods have have or a lot of mods have a lot of people working on them. Mm -hmm. You just have to look for them. Now the ones that the work... other. Uh... The other thing that you uh, would want to be careful of, I didn't uh, realize that's where the story about the healer mod was going, but the other thing that can happen is uh, for games that do update or change, it's possible that, say, they roll out some update that breaks all of your mods, and this tool you had become dependent <laughs> on no longer works. Yeah. That's always fun to see. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about some of the add-ons for 14, you know, like uh, ACT or things like that. Every time a new patch comes out, it's broken. It's, it stops working until they update the code for it. Yep. 
that is one of the disadvantages of being outside the usual cycle. You don't get to know in advance, okay, these are the changes that are coming down the pipe. This is how I need to change my thing to make it work. Yep. I remember even on updates for Final Fantasy XI, when new uh, expansions would come out, Windower, Windower would break for about a two-week period. Sounds about right. So, you know, but I will say that the mods that we're going to be talking about tonight... Um, all do come from um, respectable sources. A lot of them are from the Steam community. Um, some of them are from other larger modding groups. Uh, that, uh, that said, make sure to d download directly from those groups yep. if you're going to use them. And also Agreed. have um, you know, up-to-date antivirus and anti-malware software to make sure that anything you do download is protected. I mean, that's good practice no matter what. Exactly. But, you know, you'd be a surprise. Anyways. Mm, yeah. So anyway, the first one that we're going to talk about, Sarah was alluding to a little bit ago, and uh, I'll let him talk about this. Oh, uh, yes. So uh, the one that actually uh, updated just about a week and a half ago and inspired this conversation, uh, Final Fantasy VI Brave New World. Uh, it's described as a fairly complete overhaul of Final Fantasy VI, uh, featuring... Let's see, I'll go ahead and just go with uh, their text on it, since it describes it pretty well. Character-based Esper restrictions and new stat boosts that promote greater diversity and allow for customized development. An Esper leveling system that dissociates Esper bonuses from traditional levels, where you have to keep an Esper leveled when you uh, keep the Esper equipped when you level up in order to get those stat boosts. They change it to make it a little more flexible. Uh... New and reworked formulas, which rescue everything that isn't magic or magic evasion from the dump stat heap. Rebalanced equipment, items, spells, and skills that aim to remove dead weight and give players more and better choices. A complete overhaul of enemies from their stats to be their behavior to better challenge veteran like. Tons of bug, bug fixes, as well as remedies to many of the game's more annoying aspects, such as rage hunting, taking a lifetime, and much, much more. Now, I think a lot of you have heard me talk about my experiences playing Final Fantasy VI with a, uh, my friend Andy about like a year or so ago at this point, a little more than that now, where mm -hmm. he had never played it before. I had played it many times when I was younger and was nostalgic for it. And uh, going through it, I remember thinking, okay, I know so much more about like, and we're going to use buff and debuff spells, and we're going to do all this stuff, and we'll like be able to do the fights better, and it'll be really interesting. And we played through, and the story was fun. And a ways through, I realized, okay, no, it really is the most efficient thing to just mash attack on all the enemies and then hammer the uh, save your resources for the boss and then hammer it with 20,000 Ultimas or mm -hmm. however many. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, the story on this game makes me happy. The battle system doesn't hold up. And I, the creators of uh, this mod kind of had the same feeling as me. So they changed a lot of who can equip what, make it so not everyone can use every spell, so characters have a little bit more of a defined kit in terms of what magic they have available, what their skills do, how different stuff interacts. Yeah. Uh, think, think of yeah. uh, the changes they made to Final Fantasy XII, the Zodiac Age, yeah. versus the original version, where in the original version of XII, anybody could do anything given enough license points on the board. In... Which means you go long enough and all of your characters become kind of each other. Yep. With slight differences in their attack speed based on animations. Yep. But 
six was kind of the same way. You could get give everybody every uh, spell basically if you if you put enough time into it. So basically, everybody would be just spamming Ultima on the bosses, and boom, everything's dead. Yep. And you can and, double or triple cast it and just mm-hmm. infinite heal and yeah. Or just make it so it costs one and you're just casting it all the time because it doesn't cost anything to cast and yeah. Yeah. So yeah, uh, with this one, they didn't just modify the abilities available to the uh, player, but also a lot of stuff on how the AI works, making a lot of status effects not just more effective, but also change the behavior of the enemy. So mm-hmm. battles become a little bit more strategic. So this was something that my attention uh, just as a, hey, this is something that going back and playing this game, I saw this huge problem with that I hadn't really realized when I was younger or that we've come to expect different things in our games. And so this is someone, uh, people who love this game, uh, kind of trying to update it to these modern standards, take care of some of these quality control issues, like not having sketch break everything. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of a lot of speedruns actually have uh, there's different categories for speedrunning, hundred percent, any percent, all espers, whatever. One of them is actually no sketch, um, is for FF6 because sketch is so broken if you use it correctly. Mm-hmm. I mean, at different times, I had it wipe out one of my saves and add about twenty illuminas to one of my saves. Yep, that sounds right. Yeah, that shit was buggy. Yeah, it was bad. All right. It was fun, but it was bad. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was definitely interesting. And it's a type of thing where people can still make jokes about it. Like there's a, or like the fact that uh, Sabin can suplex a train. That was a mistake. Yes. That was something that has led to so many in-jokes. And it's kind of this shared thing uh, that people uh, can laugh and bond over. But it also was some really crappy QA. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it no. didn't make sense, but it was fun. Yep, this <laughs> one was created using a, a method called ROM hacking. Um, basically, they, they took the original SNES cartridge and then they they took all the contents of it and they used a hex editor to make you know huge. They kind of like ripped the everything. code out of the cartridge. Yep, yeah, they copied the code off of the, the little chips on there and uh, made changes to it, and uh, until they got the. Uh, if, you know, the desired effects that they wanted, and then they repackage it for uh, people to utilize on a uh, an emulator. Yep. A couple notes on that. Uh, first off, this is stuff where they. Uh, I looked at a bit of what they did. They actually go down to the assembly level of the code to rewrite yep. some really major systems. So this is again something where people will put a lot of work into it. Mm-hmm. The other thing is, especially for ones like this. Typically, what they are providing is a patch file that is meant to be applied to a ROM. Mm-hmm. Actually, supplying the ROM itself has all sorts of copyright issues, and it's something that's going to get you hammered a lot more. Mm-hmm. So instead of actually supplying a, uh, that, they supply, this is a file that if you have a legally acquired ROM of your own, which there are legal ways to acquire them, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. if you have a le- legally acquired ROM of your own, you can apply this patch file to it, and it will transform it into our rework version. Correct. Much like those shops which sell glass pipes and will ask you to leave if you start asking the wrong questions. It's the shops that sell the glass pipes and the t-shirts? Yeah. Yeah, there's... This they is are not for a podcast or- for that, but if you want to talk yeah. to me on Discord... <laughs> yeah, they, they are for strictly ornamental use or for smoking tobacco. And if you're asking any other questions about the wrong questions about it, we are going to have to ask you to leave. Well, unless you're in exactly. a state where it's legal. 
Oh, uh, no, oh, actually. Oh, even that. They're actually separate businesses with separate UBIs. Ah. I and got in trouble walking into the wrong building with a hand truck once. <laughs> so. Yeah. And, and, like, the fact that it's still illegal on a federal level makes this entire thing complicated. Oh. Hey, Final Fantasy, let's talk about it. All right. Woo! So. But yeah, it's on that level where it's like, yeah. they, are they are providing a patch file that in and of itself does not break any laws, and you are allowed to apply, they will happily encourage you to apply it to any legally acquired ROM file that you have. Anything else they don't want to hear about. Yeah. And I believe some of the legal ways, if you actually own the SNES cartridge, you which can, I do, thank you. You by law can have a ROM and play it on an emulator. Though very to rip it yourself rather than downloading it from. Yes, correct. You that said, I'm not get it yourself. That said, I'm not sure how they would check, but I don't know that I want to risk having them uh, look into it. Yes, so that's one of those I where it, it's kind of gray, but the level of dedication they took. To, to make these changes is just inspiring. Oh yeah, like the assembly code that that is not easy shit to mess I mean, around if, with. If Square Enix were, you know, the right people at Square Enix were to hear about this, I mean, this could theoretically be something that comes from a final, you know, come, creates a Final Fantasy VI remake. Yeah, and I mean, this type of thing is also how, again, how people have gotten jobs in the industry. Yep. <laughs> I like Talos's little disclaimer in the chat. Sorry, I just, there's right. some stuff no. going on. Anyway, yeah, you're right. Okay, so moving on, <laughs> let's talk about some uh, things that you that are like going to be more uh, for applying changes to PC games. Uh, for instance, Final Fantasy VII's Seventh Heaven Mod Manager, which is actually works with the original 1998 PC release of the game as well as the Steam versions. Um, it's basically a, a graphic o upgrade. Um, texture overhauled um, on a lot of the enemies, more field models included, better animations, um, improved movie quality, um, and a ton of other tiny enhancements. So This one seems a little more aimed towards people who loved FF7, uh, want to play it again, but then they play it like, oh my god, is that what it looked like? Mm -hmm. Yep. So it, it's... It's just a, it cleans it up a little bit, makes it look a little bit more presentable because, yeah, that game is very, very dated mm -hmm. in its looks. I mean, it's still a great game, but it's tough to play when you're used to, you know, the graphics, graphic levels that we have now. Yeah, I used to be like, oh my gosh, who would ever be that shallow? I don't care about crap. And then I like got a bit older and started paying a bit more attention. It's like, oh, huh, I do care about how graphics look. And then you play Darkened Sky again, and you go, oh, God. <laughs> you forget how bad some stuff was. Like, let's be honest. We care about how stuff looks. That's mm -hmm. pretty normal. It's true. Here, I'll, let me get the link for this one for you guys, too. Copy, paste. Like I said, this one it go, comes from a uh, uh, reputable site uh, that does a lot of work in the modding community. So, you know. This one should be safe if you just, but still make sure that you are checking it for any malicious content. And make, yeah, make sure uh, antivirus and malware checkers and the like updated. We don't want anything bad happening to any of you people. Exactly. Um, Final Fantasy VIII also has an essential mod pack, which takes a lot of different little mods out there and packs them all together. Um, for, this is for the Steam version 
of the game. And I'll go ahead and copy. And that's this actually one. something that's in the Steam uh, community page, the uh, file bank there. Correct. Um, they are saying that modding these older games isn't super easy, so it's important to read every detail about when you apply these mods because some of them are not compatible with each other. So they're giving you access to a number of different mods that are available for the game. But then again, you have to be careful because they're not QA tested yeah. against each other because they're, they're not even by like the community. Yep. By the community and groups that are not necessarily working together. So, yeah, that's the big thing is making sure that everybody knows like, oh, hey, I made a cool mod. Yeah. Well, does it affect the border? Yeah. OK, well, I have one that affects the menu, so it's going to crash the game. So I'm, I'm wondering if things like this one didn't um, makes SE re release the remaster earlier last year. I mean, it's stuff hard. like this, stuff like this is the ones that you look at and go, oh, they released a mod. Team Fortress, Counter-Strike, whatever. And you go, oh, two years later, there's something that came out that's remarkably similar, but is licensed and branded. Hey, we made 8 look better and work better. Oh, look, I can now buy a copy of 8 for $26 on PlayStation Store. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Hmm. I wonder if that's related. Well, I like the, it. The thing is, Square Enix, they're not dumb. They know no, what the community God, likes. No. Um, and... Some of this maybe, like, uh, I remember the stuff with uh, FF14, the remake. Yoshi P went to the board and made a case for this type of thing. For yeah. The, uh, the uh, company is not a single monolithic block. If you're a person who works there, you may be like, hey, I think this... Oh, look, here's something that bolsters my case that I can go uh, before a board of uh, executives and say... Da, 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 there are this many downloads in this a fan community. Clearly, there is this untapped market. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, guys, I like to, all I this third-party sales, that's money we could have made. Would you like to do something so that we could make money next time? Right. I actually like to compare it to the Scanlation community, where you have this kind of unofficial, again, kind of gray area thing that technically is violating stuff but at the same time it's an important part of the ecosystem so as long as it's not doing anything bad they'll tend to let a lot of the stuff slide and can uh, mine it for hey this is where interest is this is how stuff is going the problem is they also from the japan side of it a friend of mine works as a translator he goes they look at it and say oh but there's already people you know stealing it so why would we try to sell it when we already know that you guys are just going to keep stealing it so it's just going to cost us money so there's stuff that will never come to the U.S. because there's such a huge fan base in the Scanlation community. Yeah. It's I a know. very tough line to not cross. I know with Scanlations, there's often a lot of like informal things about, for instance, if an official release is secured, uh, they'll pull down their stuff. But those are not always universally followed. So not it's a bit all. hit or miss. Yeah. Now, that, that's just three games out of all the Final Fantasies out there that have different mods available. Um, now, this is something that we can definitely revisit at a later time. So let us know what you thought of this, you know, because I think, you know, visiting this type of uh, uh, creativity within Final Fantasy is, is, is really interesting. And I, I hope you guys are enjoying it as well. So what do you what Sarah tell us? What do you guys think of all this? 
I mean, I'm the one who suggested the topic, so I think it's reasonable to guess how I feel about it. Yeah. I think it's really fascinating. Uh, I'm a, uh, as you know, as a librarian, as a big proponent of intellectual freedom, as someone who thinks that needs to be greatly shortened. I like stuff where you get to take an idea that's kind of become this big cult or a work that's become this big cultural thing and start opening it up to other people to start uh, having other ideas work on it. That's something that I'm always really excited to see. I think getting those fresh allows for a lot of stuff, uh, a lot more interesting development. So this is something I really like to see. Okay. And I know Talas, you have always been a huge uh, supporter of uh, speed runs and, you know, modded communities and things like that. So speedruns and randomizers i'm super fine with because like speedruns you're not changing the game like how mm -hmm. fast can you beat chrono trigger just under six hours okay that's really cool how the hell did you do that it's really cool to watch that kind of stuff and see that so speed, different way of exploring it speedruns uh, take advantage of other things that were found when people have been looking into the code of games though for crazy amounts of time if you look at things like uh randomize or things like taskbot where they go, I can put one input per frame, and then they just electronically do it. It's a different style of speedrunning where it takes an hour and 15 minutes to beat Final Fantasy 1 with a single white mage. It's awesome. You should all watch it. It's great. But if you wanted to actually do that route by hand as a human being, you can. It takes about nine hours. But it's doable as a human being. Taskbot just takes advantage of being able to put in one per frame. Randomizers... They can hit buttons way faster than we can. It's pretty fun to watch. Uh randomizers will take the game and change it in a way that doesn't remove or add anything. It just shuffles everything. It's when we start taking games apart and we start changing them. That's where the legal side of me that's worked on taking down Mongo websites. It's where the part of me that's worked on turning people in for making illegal ROMs of Nintendo games. That's the part of my brain that turns on there. So I, for mm. some mods, if the game's 30 years old, there's no legal way to get it. I'm not happy about it, but sure, whatever. If you can go to the PlayStation Store and buy this game for 10 bucks, and you're going to spend four hours modding the crap out of it to make your own version out of an old disc that you found, dude, come on. <laughs> it's $10. I'll give you $10. It's not that bad. But See, I as think this is where we might start having some arguments, because I'm not sure how I feel about a company being able to just be... Like having the equivalent of that terrible Fantastic Four movie uh, that they did several years ago. It's like, okay, we'll just make another one so we can keep control over it. We don't even know if we want to do anything, but we want to keep our hold. Oh, God. Tatsunoko versus Capcom. Capcom versus everything. Like, that's all those games were, was renewal of licensure. Yeah. And they did it all the time. So there's some stuff like that that you just roll your eyes at. But there's... Yeah, this is the bit where you and I can start having arguments. Well, when I look at friends that are like, oh, so why did you go back into insurance sales? And they go, oh, because my comic got stolen by a scanlation site. And instead of making all of the money I was supposed to, I got kicked out by my publisher. Oof. And I go, okay. And the people go, scanlation sites are cool. And I'm like, no, they are not. Because I can point to people that have actively had their lives destroyed by them. So not a huge fan. Also, one manga, rest in hell. You're welcome. Woo. That was partially my fault. <laughs> no worries. I think manga stream just went down. I don't even know the story behind that one. I don't even bother anymore. I got out of it because it's such a pain in the ass. All right, but it's over. 
<laughs> so yeah, we will definitely we'll put a pin on that, and we will definitely come back to talking about additional um, you know mods and things like that, the constructive side of them. Yeah. So we don't There's have benefits. To, yeah. Can't argue that. I mean, because it, it's it's helped to you know keep life in games that are older, um, and it's you know also helped to you know bring in new uh, interest for you know from the community. So. Truth. A lot of good stuff has come out of it, but uh, it, it's, it is a very controversial topic to a lot of people. So that, and realistically, though, controversy makes for interesting conversation. Woo! Provided we can That'd keep be... it civil, people. <laughs> so this, we, is why we live to, this is why we live, have all of Oregon between us, dude. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just chilling over here in my igloo. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Come so, at me so we can team up and beat up on Klaus. Oh, I'm in. Let's go. You have Woo! to get through the snow first. I don't have a car. Eh, it's like invading Russia in the winter, right? What could go wrong? Bad ones. All right. Later. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that was a legitimate use of that. Well done. <laughs> All right. Trains exist, says Pyrocat. <laughs> Ooh. Do I get to sing Selfie's train song? No. Oh my god, I'm going to sing Selfie's train song. God damn it. All right. So with that, Talis, you have a very interesting uh, take on a prep station uh, segment for us this week, don't you? I do. So today's prep station is actually taking us out of the kitchen uh, because, frankly, I looked through most of the Shadowbringers food and it's all great, but it's not super thematic. We're not seeing that 16th century Europe style stuff that we were getting in Heaven's Word. We're not seeing the just straight up uh, Pan-Asian cuisine that we were getting out of like the Shirogane recipes and everything out of Stormblood. It's more of a hodgepodge where we have things like lemonade, but we also have blood bulabes and we have oysters on a half shell. And I'm kind of going, what's really interesting about lemons and oysters as a discussion topic? Not a whole ton. Don't forget the usual ones where it's like, oh, hey, it's wheat flour again, but this time from a different area. Uh, yeah, that is supremely annoying. And also one of the Blood Bulabes uses a level 35 item. That is so incredibly annoying. <laughs> I oh, make yes. my retainer go get it for me because I don't want to. Don't forget the level 50 something item too. The Desert Saffron and the Cyclops Onion. Uh, the, the Onion is, uh, yeah, the Onion is fi in the 50s and yep. the Saffron is 35. It's supremely annoying. The Onion's in the Dravanian Forelands, the Saffron in uh, southern Thanalan. Uh, it's in the menu of my retainer named Yukito uh, who sells things in Limsa Lamensa because I'm not going and getting them myself. I'm going around for submersible parts all the time. Anyway. Fair. Please. So I decided to get out of the kitchen because frankly the recipes right now are eh. But I did discover there's some really, really cool stuff as Weaver. And anybody that's done any of the facet crafting, any of the 430, 460 gear, holy crap, that gear is a blast to build. It's super challenging. And if you have the mats and the skills, if you want to make money on your market board, facet gear is a way to do it because it's really, really good. And the pentamelds for it are a pain. That being said, I am not a Weaver. Not in real life and not really in game. So I wanted to kind of get started by learning what weaving was. The reason I started this, you know, joining the podcast, being the resident culinarian is I've been a head chef before. I've done recipe development. I 
own a crocheted hat. That is literally the end of my involvement with weaving. So I needed to know a little bit more about weaving before I was going to do this segment. So friend of the podcast, uh, who is currently in chat, Pyrocats, as true, Pyrocats says two. I do own two hats. They made me both of them. Uh, one was actually made from an alpaca that I got into an argument with. But I have, I decided I wanted to learn more. So we went to a spinning event. I got to touch all different kinds of wool. I got to touch all different kinds of fiber. I got to learn exactly how the fiber works. And I started with raw, which Pyrocats ended up buying a bag of raw, taught me how to comb it, taught me how to work through it. We're going to kind of go through how to make yarn and how to make stuff. Starting with a few different. You're the worst. I'm the worst. And we made worsted yarn. But not what I just actually do. Perfect. Oh, perfect. (laughs) Okay. So we start off with a few different kinds of fiber that we use. One is bast fibers. They're fibers that run up the stems of certain types of plants. Commonly used are hemp, things like nettle, things like flax. The bast fibers tend to naturally grow counterclockwise. More on that in a second. Um, they can, they can. I all- just want to throw in Final Fantasy Eleven players. I remember bast parchment being a thing for the longest time, and I was like, "What the fork is bast?" And now so, we know. Yeah, it, it's paper made out of those fibers. Like I think you needed to use moco grass for it. That sounds right, actually. If I remember, yeah. I didn't spend a lot of time crafting in Eleven. So uh, if you did any amount of ninja, you needed bast parts <laughs> because you needed to make those little things for the Utsusemi spell. I was a samurai, so. So you had the worst, uh, and now you have the best. Oh. Where's that button? There it is. Um, so the they also tend to grow super long, like a meter and a half long. So yeah. if you want to get them to bind... When you're spinning those fibers together, you're going to need to match that direction that they grew. You'll have to spin them sometimes with a touch of water, which will activate some of the natural enzymes within the plant and make it stick towards itself. And Sarah actually threw in this note, uh, which was super, super cool. Uh, The plants follow the sun when they grow, which is why they grow in that spiral pattern. So in the Southern Hemisphere the sun is going to approach the planet slightly differently. So they actually tend to grow clockwise. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to spin, that's say you're spinning flax from the Southern hemisphere, you're going to have to spin it a different direction than flax from the Northern hemisphere. I have no idea if they actually grow flax in both Southern and Northern hemisphere, but I thought that was kind of neat. The thing I saw compared it to sunflowers, which everyone knows the head of the flower uh, follows the sun, and that brings that kind of twisting, spiraling thing into the stalk. Well, I mean, theoretically, it's, it could grow. I mean, because there's a temperate zone on either side. It's not yeah. just temperature that you need, though. Temperature, moisture. I mean, there's also, if you look at things like wine, people that say, oh, I can't drink red wine. I always get a headache. There's tannins. There's too much iron. There's all this other stuff. Have them drink red wine out of New Zealand. New oh, Zealand yeah. grapes are different because it's an island nation, because of where it's at in the Pacific Ocean. You Actually, the dirt is so different that you get such different grapes that you get a different result, and you end up with completely different red wine that even people that have that natural red wine equals headaches problem, less likely to have headaches with red wine from New Zealand. 
I'm actually one of those people. I couldn't handle red wine at all, but now that a lot of the New Zealand ones are available, I am able to handle those a bit better. Yeah, it's crazy. So -hmm. there's some other cool bass fibers. Um, Himalayan nettle, well, nettle in particular, is actually still here in 2020, not quite universal century yet. Uh, Nepal, India, western parts of China, they still use nettle. Like, like the stinging thing that you're not supposed to charge into when it's in the park? I mean, kind of. Uh, but Related Himalayan to that. nettle, specifically. Uh, we also have uh, countries like Thailand and the Philippines that are a lot more peninsula and island-based. They're going to be using lotus stem fiber because that's what's available. Yeah, and lotus the biggest... just grows uh, crazy over there. Just so, mo- so much moisture available. It's one of those weird things where we think about we have an international way to ship things. Like my car is from Saitama and my fish is from Ontario and I live in Western Washington. Like who cares? I can get stuff from wherever, but realistically when we go back hundreds and thousands of years, we worked with what we had. So when you get to certain local areas, we all were spinning whatever was available, whatever fiber, whatever animal or plant it came from. And Everybody figured out spinning. Everybody figured out spinning. It's really, really cool. It sounds like if you've got like a plant with a long stalk, some of them are going to have that fibrous stuff. And so you've got, okay, here you've got some long fibers. You've got like these natural strings. And if you're twiddling them in your hands, like you can get a super crude form of spinning out of that. Like just twiddling shit, you could probably like making like a stronger string rope thing. Pyrocats in the chat just mentioned, uh, same thing happens with the woolen for producing animals. Same breeds in USA or Europe is going to be different from New Zealand because soil content and water. It's all, uh, Nettle is also edible in the spring. Neat. Uh, so animal fibers, or actually no, seed fibers is the next step off of uh, bass fiber. Seed fibers, most common, cotton. Chances are almost everybody listening is wearing some form of cotton at this point. They're really short. They're like two centimeters up to five centimeters they are an absolute pain to spin and of course i decided to do it the hard way i've been spinning for all of like 20 minutes and pyrocats is like here spin this cotton and about three minutes later i had about a centimeter and a half and i'm cool and then just could not get any more to spin at all i could not get stick i was like this is hell she goes yeah i didn't start on this for eight months <laughs> i was like oh god so like we were like all right we're done with cotton that's fine the thing that i actually ended up playing with the most was an animal fiber uh i got wool i believe it was from a sheep i'm gonna let her correct me in the chat uh animal fibers are wool and hair from sheep goats camels alpacas llamas rabbits yaks cats dogs whatever the length of the fiber is going to be based on the animal and the type. Sometimes you get it as short as like seven centimeters, or give or take a little bit, up to like 20 centimeters, which is really, really big to try to spin. But you have so much sur- horizontal surface tension when you're spinning, it's going to stick. Sheep, oh, that- used, sheep used to shed a lot more, but because selective breeding is a thing, we created sheep that now need to be sheared. So once that happens, the wool will need to be cleaned and picked or loosened to try to remove as much of the dirt and plant matter as we possibly can. Part of the process of cleaning that fiber is removing some or all of the lanolin. Lanolin is a natural oil that protects and waterproofs that sheep. So there's actually some recipes in the Ishgardian um, 
special books and like level three and four, I believe it is, that actually adds oil to the fiber when you're building the gear so that you can re-waterproof that gear and keep it strong again. Uh, I also want to throw in that lanolin itself is an alchemy recipe that uses water shards and a caracool skin. So you're presumably like extracting the naturally occurring lanolin in that sheepskin. I believe it gets used for uh, as a in making some sh wooden shields. I would guess it's like kind of a waterproof protective coating on the shield. I think it's used to make felt too, isn't it? Uh, let me check that. Some is. So, um, yeah, wool definitely felts, um, which is all the little bits that kind of uh, gather off of it. Um, but it does grab onto itself really, really well. Uh, the oldest manner of aligning the fibers is called combing. It aligns the fibers all in the same direction, removes all that plant matter, but it's extremely labor intensive and really, really hard. So you'll, so you'll have to put in a lot of physical effort to actually get that stuff to line up. Um, I'll post a picture in the Discord of uh, Pyrocat's combs. They're rad. Uh, combing would actually lead to uh, a roving. It's, let's see, shorter fibers. No, blah, blah, blah. sorry, I skipped a sentence. That makes more sense. Shorter fibers. Doesn't work with combs. Combs are really, really long. Um, a shorter fiber is going to use carding. It's similar, but it uses a flat surface with many smaller teeth. Combing is going to lead to a roving. Carding leads to a bat of wool. And those are the collections of wool that you use for spinning. That's the one, uh, the carding, that's the one where you have like those with the little spiky comb-like teeth on them and you're like pulling them together, right? Yes, like a whole bunch. Um, mm -hmm. And it's more flat. Um, fibers are usually, uh, bats get rolled into a roll lag sometimes. And by doing so, you actually end up with the fibers sideways to the yarn you're spinning. And you end up creating a different texture of yarn which can create a different texture of garment for a different purpose. Some garments are better as undergarments, overgarments, pants, jackets, whatever. So what does this mean for all of our disciples of the land? In addition to the leather and ingots that we're seeing in recipes that we create gear with, those things that are going to include shoulder pads, buckles, straps, belts, all that kind of nonsense, we're going to see things like diarmite sinew. We see things like beeswax, a couple different oils, and a... Uh, a lot of different additives, especially in the higher stuff, the alkahests and whatnot, that get added into that fabric to give it a specific purpose. Outside of game, those additives would be for things like waterproofing and heat retention, or lack of chafing, or something that could go over or under metal safely. But in-game, we see it for things like ethereal control, where this is the alkahest of mind, this is the one that goes into healer gear. This is the alkahest of intelligence. This is the one that goes into caster gear. So it was kind of cool to see that we took something from outside of the game where we would rub fabric down with beeswax to we would do that in game and it's for fisherman slop. Yeah. So we you don't want you don't want your pants to be like letting all the water through when you're waiting in a stream. If you ask any motorcyclist, it's like, well, how do you ride in the rain? It's like with a helmet. Like they, they look at you like you're insane. If you get cold or wet, it means you have bad gear. And that's just for motorcyclists in now. You look back into whatever era, you know, the seventh astral era that we're in, we're still going to have to stay warm on this stream. And if you get these streams and lakes out in like Norvrant, 
that's not all going to be super warm all the time. And water doesn't necessarily stay warm in streams. Like we're going to want to make sure that we keep our fishers content so that we can have the resources that we need. What are you talking about? Everybody's fishing in bikinis and uh, all of that. Yeah. Right? They're yeah. fishing in nice warm clothing over which they have laid some type of optic camouflage that looks like a bikini because this is a little bit of a weird world. Thank you, Lorbarian. I appreciate that. So best use of, of optic camouflage ever. Yeah. So speaking of uh, the worst, worsted yarn actually shows up in the level 66 crafts. It's made with Halgai Mane and Manzarsiri hair. So it's got two different types of raw that's going into it to create that worsted yarn. It also has a bit of natron, which is based on basically sodium, I believe it is. Like powder, like baking soda, basically. Yeah. Um, sim- uh, and from make- Yeah. So it, it has a bit of natron. It gets used to make the Step Surge set. Uh, which finds its way through the eye level 260-ish Serg armors, uh, specifically for a lot of the casters, um, some of the bard and archer gear, uh, a little bit of ninja, but not a ton. Uh, mostly it's the... I think that... Anything casty-based. That sweater that's very popular as a glamour, I think it's also made using Step Surge. It is. It is also made using Step Surge. Like it's it- a level like 65 craft, I believe. Like the adventurer sweater and that one? Yep. The one that came out right during the uh, that weird anime girl sweater craze a couple years ago. <laughs> you know, when they had, Awkward. when everybody wants their uh, pumpkin spice lattes? Gross. Hey, hey, be nice. But yeah, the winter sweater uses step surge and worsted yarn. And then for the adventuring sweater, which has that neat little scarf and ornament, it adds a palladium nugget and some holy linen. So when we're going to make weaves of like different styles of fabric different regions are going to use different styles most important to most of these cultures was minimizing waste largely because making fabric i spent two ish hours true i was a novice right but i was guided i had already sheared already cleaned already packaged raw wool i got combs that pyro just had I worked through combing it. I did two or three passes through it. And then I spun it on a drop spindle. And then I had yarn. And then Pyrocats, I believe, crocheted that yarn with more yarn that they had already made to make me a charm. We're talking from once we bought the bag to here is the charm, a solid four and a half hours of work for something that's an inch and a half tall. Now cover your entire body in that. Now, yeah, now cover your entire town's body in that. The person that's doing the shearing is different than the person doing the washing, is different than the person doing the combing, is different than the person doing the spinning, because these are all extremely labor-intensive. So making fabric took a ton of work. You're not going to do what we do now, where you just line up your thing, trim off the corner, sew it together, go to Joanne's if you mess up and pick up new stuff. We didn't have that option back then. Joanne's the old village woman who's like, what did you do with that <laughs> fabric? I, that took me weeks to make. It does. It takes weeks to make. So when we're making these weaves, we want to make sure that things do actually fit. Weave sizes are going to change regionally. 
countries in what is now modern day Asia, pieces of fabric are usually around hip width, give or take 16 to 18 inches. So if you look at some of the really old kimono, you can see that the fabric is all in big straight pieces that are sewn together. It's draped over the person and it's held with an obi. If you look into uh, Korean hanbok, the formal dress attire for special events, it's also made with really simple lines, but because it's a country with no natural resources, everything they make has to be brought in, which means everything that they send out has to be extremely good. So they're going to have a little bit more work on the shoulders and body work. So that does look a little bit more clean, but they're going to use those smaller pieces. Also for things like Korean Hanbok, they're a bit more form fitting, but they're also made once and passed down for generations. Same with kimono. Kimono have the added benefit of that you can go from person to person and just make it fit via an obi. But for something that's more fitted, that's a lot harder to do. Yeah. Western fabrics are wider. Depending on the culture that they're from, you can see stuff in shoulder width or even wider to be solid pieces. So you kind of get this little potato sack style clothing for a lot of stuff. And those corners have to go somewhere. But they have to make their patterns based on what they need at the time, what they have available. If you need a shirt and we have two square pieces of fabric, guess what? You get a head hole and two arm holes and that's it. Because that's what we have right now and we'll deal with the rest later. But as our technology developed, not necessarily our you know, our iPads and Androids, but the technology of if we heat the metal combs, they do this differently. If we turn this roll, this roll lag sideways, we get a different fabric. If we have two different types of yarn or thread, and we do one horizontally and one vertically to make this sheet, so we get the benefits of both wool and cotton simultaneously, which is where we get a lot of our mixed fabrics from, we got that technology and that allowed us to grow and make even better stuff. Or even something where you, uh, I was just remembering in FF11, a lot of the specialty fabrics that you could get, like the special jobs alike, it would be described as something out of this material that you might already have, but woven in this really complicated way. Using a different weave, you get like a different texture, a different feel, or a different uh, like stretchiness or things like that. I have two different hats. They're both made with wool. They're both made with different kinds of wool. They were both made with different patterns and different styles and slightly different tightnesses. I'm only bringing one with me, and I asked which one should I bring. I was told, well, this one's going to be warmer. This one's going to be easier to wash. And it's like, well, I'm only bringing one, so I have to make a choice here. And like, they're both wool, but they are very different hats. Agreed. Uh, um, cashmere also comes to mind. I know that's a thing that you can actually get in game, the cashmere fleece. Yes, and that's like a very, like a very specific type of animal hair, I want to say. Mm -hmm. It uh, it's all, all comes down to the breed. Um, and you can have sheep or alpaca that are specifically bred to be used for this purpose. And similar to how chickens are bred to be egg layers. Well, once they stop laying eggs, they become ditter. But you have a sheep that is designed to make this fiber that you can spin. If the fiber isn't coming out well or the ship doesn't or the sheep isn't doing well, and the sheep becomes dinner. Pyrocats is saying in the uh, chat that cashmere is specifically a goat breed. Yep. Neat. It is. Pyrocats, I actually asked them to be in the chat today because I knew that they would be able to fact check me on the fly. This is really fascinating stuff. I have a friend who does needle felting, but that's about all I knew. 
my sister actually needle felted me uh, gifts for Christmas um, because she knew that I don't really need a lot of stuff and I'm traveling. So everything's going into storage. Uh, she actually adopted uh, a bird for me. And Aww. then as a token, she actually made uh, two needle felts of that specific bird and gave it to me. Aww. And those will be nice and portable. And they are. I'm taking one of them with me. She she adopted a booby. <laughs> and she gave me two of them. And one of them is a little bit smaller. <laughs> the right one or the left one? <laughs> yeah, it's it doesn't matter. It's the blue-footed one, actually, which is even better. <laughs> yeah, so I have a red-footed booby and a blue-footed booby. And one of them is a little bit smaller because one booby is always smaller than the other. That's what she said. Exactly. <laughs> All right, mic drop. I am out of the prep station. <laughs> we are mature adults. Exactly. Nah. No, that was good stuff. I mean, you're no longer just a resident culinarian. You're 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 becoming an omni crafter. I don't way. like it either. I don't know what to do. <laughs> I've got. I have no car, which means I have no job, and I had six weeks to kill. So I, I have am the crafting mentor crown. <laughs> No, I, I am told cool. that the Japanese language is surprisingly rich in metallurgy terms, in part because they had to develop a fuck ton of techniques to deal with their surprisingly crap iron ore. <sighs> so two weeks from now, we're talking about metal crafting. Is that what we're with? Woots. Woots. I'm hilarious. <laughs> Thank you, laugh track. We wouldn't have known when to laugh otherwise. <laughs> exactly. Or well, it was either that or uh, yeah, laugh track. <laughs> anyway, I actually uh, just found out that I'm being kicked out of the place that I'm currently sitting, so I need to go. Uh, so I'm gonna do my shout-outs real Absolutely. fast. Uh, shout outs to uh, to Pyrocats one for being super, super helpful tonight uh, and for helping me write all these notes and for taking me spinning. And for also making me a very, very cool little charm. Um, the charm on the front is uh, the efforts of her making yarn. The charm on the back is the efforts of me making yarn. And she sewed in the kanji for luck. So for the efforts, the efforts of myself. beautifully symbolic. The efforts of my friends and a little bit of luck. Aww. So she is an absolute sweetheart. I adore her to pieces. Uh, and Sarah... And Klaus, shout outs to you guys for being awesome co-hosts. Thank you guys so much for having me on the show for a year. Uh, and shout outs to everybody in chat uh, for the last year who has been super supportive and helpful. This is actually something I needed to throw down really quick. Uh, two weeks from now, the 25th is our next show. That's my going away party. So I'm going to have somewhere between zero and 40 people at my house. I have no idea if I'm going to be on that show. <laughs> I'm going to try, but I have no, and that's absolutely no fine. You know? So that being said, uh, two weeks later, I'll be in Nagasaki. I don't know what I'm doing on Sunday mornings in Japan or if I'll have Wi-Fi or a place to chat with everybody. So this, it might be a while before you guys hear from me, but I'm still around. I still very much care about you guys a lot. So thank you guys so much for having me. And I will be back once I have a little bit more stability on the other side of the Pacific Ocean. Yeah, this is not the Ooh. end of Talus. This is just uh, nope. him saying, we'll this see This is a tribute. I'll be great. <laughs> I'll be fine. And I demonetized. Just, <laughs> boom. I have no idea where anything's going to be. But then again, three weeks ago, I still owned an MR2. And now I'm moving to Japan and I own like six shirts. Yep. And if, so, we don't, if we don't get a chance low. to tell you this uh, till uh, later, we wish you luck. 
wish Thank you, you a safe trip. And Thank uh, you. we will definitely talk with you soon. Absolutely. So uh, I'm heading out. Have an awesome night, everybody. Thank okay, you so much. I'll catch you on, on Twitter real quick. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Tal's Marvelous. It's T-A-L-I-Z Marvelous. I post a lot of... Uh, wait. I don't post a lot of pictures of my car. I, you used I to post a lot of pictures of your car. I do. I sometimes post pictures of food. Uh, he posted some pictures of him spinning. I did. There's a picture of me spinning that Firecats took. Uh, it's on her couch. And he'll anyway, soon post some pictures in Japan. Tell us. Take care, my that's friend. That's true. Have a good night, guys. Good night. Good, good night. night. And that will actually do it for this episode, guys. If you liked what you heard, please consider liking, subscribing, or following us out on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, um, Spotify, or whatever your uh, preferred podcatcher is. And if possible, leave us a rating or review. It does help people find our uh, podcast and lets us know what you guys think. Um, and if you really dig the show, you can consider supporting us here at twitch.tv slash phoenixstarradio by becoming a subscriber and getting access to a number of uh, emotes and uh, um, badges for your support. Or you can support us out on patreon.com slash phoenixstarradio like our lovely friend Aurori Fenrir. Um, any of those proceeds go towards growing the show, uh, covering hosting costs and allows us to do some fun things like uh, giveaways and, and stuff like that. But any kind of support, whether it's emails, likes, tweets, or retweets, uh, follows, or donations, they're always greatly appreciated. We love interacting with you guys and uh, with the rest of the community. If you want to check out our backlog of podcasts, you can go out to our website, phoenixstarradio.com. Um, we also have information on uh, how you can donate to our Extra Life campaign and a number of other things that we post out there as well. If you have a question for us or uh, just want to uh, drop us a line, you can hit us up on email, podcast at phoenixstarradio.com. Um, and if you want to check out any of our past video um, versions of our podcast, you can go out to our YouTube page, youtube.com slash phoenixstarradio. Now, Sarah, what do you have for shout-outs? Oh, not a whole lot this week, but with the whole, like, just being kind of quiet, cleaning, insular. Uh, but shout outs to, uh, I think the big one lately was uh, the cooking channel. So Shintir uh, uh, from Maelstrom Radio, Maelstrom Radio, uh, Anonymous uh, from Anonymous, Lore and Whatnots, uh, I, Feeny, God, who else is in there? A whole bunch of people who've been like sharing lots of fun cooking ideas. Uh, Moose finally made that Hasselback potato uh, gratin recipe he was talking about. He just posted pictures of it and it looks really, really good. Nice. That's the one where uh, you spin the, the potato to make it kind of spiral like and then you kind of. Uh, or no, is that. Hasselback is where you kind of like cut a. a or you cut slits and, and, like yeah. almost all the way through it and you kind of fan it. Yes. So normally uh, you do that and then you put like fillings in there, but it doesn't always work super well. The idea is to like put a bunch of those, uh, either like cut all the way through and then stack the slices or he actually kept them as that for easier serving. But you make it into kind of like a grot and you put in a casserole, add lots of sauce and things like that. And then let the, the heat make the sauce and yep. thicken. And, and so you get the lots of nice uh, crispy textures from the, uh, the slices at that are differentiated at the top, but then the uh, then the grotnip part of it makes the like inside all nice and properly creamy. Mm. So you get a proper mix of like creamy and crispy. Nice. Uh, so shout out to all of you crazy folks for all of the wonderful food talk. Uh, which, as we've established, I will go to with even the slightest provocation. So thank you for indulging me on that. <laughs> uh, 
Shout out to The Good Place, which just came back from its mid-season hiatus, and I am super excited about. Uh, everyone, you should watch it. Make sure to learn your A.B. Janets. And uh, shout out to my co-hosts, Klaus and Talis. Uh, Chili, who couldn't be here tonight, of course. But all of you have been really great. I love spending time with you. I love how we were able to just, like, as Klaus said, we kind of threw this topic together at the last moment. But that burst of, like, creative energy anything that's really infectious and really enjoyable and i love it every time it happens exactly um you can find me mostly on twitter at ff14ser that's f-f-x-i-v-s-e-y-r-r where i post pictures of random interesting stuff that i cooked with my friends or funny stuff that i found working at the library uh you can also find me on our uh discord server where uh our library has been a bit quiet lately but i'm always keeping an eye on things and happy to answer questions whenever you've got them yep this is what it sounds like in the library right now it's so sad Let's fix that. <laughs> um, and I saw that uh, Talas wrote some homework for me. He wants me to put something up on the soundboard, but we already have it. <laughs> oh God! Why? 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 <laughs> well, we were gonna. This is the best. We were going to be talking. <laughs> We'll be talking about something related to that on another episode when we revisit this topic. Um, but shout out to Sarah, shout out to Talas. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much for helping me uh, get, write up stuff for this topic on such short notice. I thought it went really well. I mean, this was an episode I figured, oh, yeah, we'll go maybe an hour, hour and a half. And uh, two hours later, we're still we're just wrapping up. Um, <laughs> we cannot do a short show, can we? No, not to save our lives. Um, shout out to everybody watching us here at twitch.tv slash Phoenix Star Radio. I love seeing what you guys throw in the chat. It's so much fun. Um, we love having the interaction. Um, shout out to everybody out on our discord at, uh, what is, where is my link for that? Discord. That link that I posted in, in the Twitch chat will get you into our call-in channel if you ever want to join us live on the show and uh, and talk with us while we're podcasting. So you can make sure to keep note of that. And, we should uh, figure out a call-in topic, like with plenty of lead time. Exactly. Because we do want to hear what you guys think. So let mm. us know. Whether, whether you want to do it through Discord, whether you want to email it to us, whether you want to hit us up on um, Twitter, wherever. You know, We've got all these different locations. Let us know what you think. Let us know what you want to know. Um, we're more than happy to engage with you guys. And shout out to everybody who's listening to us out on the podcast. I do encourage you guys to stop by and check us out live at twitch.tv slash Radio. We, we do this every other Saturday night. Um, and we do also do some random streams throughout the week. We'll play some Final Fantasy XIV. Uh, we play a little bit of Twitch Sings. And come March, we'll be doing a lot of Final Fantasy VII Remake. So make sure to look mm. forward to that. So for my co-hosts, Talis Marvelous, and for Sarah Timono, I am Klaus Nightbringer, wishing everybody a wonderful evening. Thank you so much for joining us. Take care. Phoenix Down Radio is a production of phoenixdownradio.com and Illusion Productions. Final Fantasy XIV and Eorzea are trademarks of Square Enix. In-game content for Phoenix Down Radio is the copyright of Square Enix. Open the music for Phoenix Down Radio is provided by Guilty Gear Rocky. Check out the Metal Chocobo theme cover and many other music videos at youtube.com slash guiltyrocky. Closing music for this episode is provided by Guitar Linker 90. 
Please check out their full version of Matoya's Cave and other rock video game covers at youtube.com slash guitarwanker90. The views and opinions expressed in this episode are those of Phoenix Down Radio and its hosts and do not reflect the views of Square Enix.